בוקר טוב. Good morning, Shabbat Shalom. Morning, Shabbat Shalom. Good morning, we gather. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I've been real weepy all morning. Just morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're getting there. Let me see if I can get everybody in here. Debbie says good morning. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Dobry jutro, Taras. Bokertov. Dobry jutro. Dobry jutro. Getting there. Shoshoni, are you here? Okay, so where is she? Start video. Did we start the video? I don't know. Has she joined us already? I don't know if she has or not. I don't know. I can't find her. It's good to see you, Bettina. Good to see you too, Dr. P. Shalom. Shalom, everyone. Shalom. Shalom. Good to see you. Now, I just want to welcome you all. It's so good to have everyone here this morning for us to gather. And it's going to take a few minutes for everybody to get in, but I'm going to keep admitting as we go. And um, we do have the chat open uh, for those of you who want to say hi to your friends. And uh, I know that for some people, and we've already had a little bit of testimony, that this has been a difficult week. And yeah. we're going to, we're going to be, and obviously there's been a lot of things that have happened this yeah. week that have rendered this week even more difficult than some. And of course, this is the week uh, beginning or ending here on August 14th, the seventh day, the Shabbat. And uh, as we end this week, we can take a look, we're gonna take a look back now a little bit in retrospect, and we're going to see what has happened to the remnant and where we are and uh, the kinds of things that are being discussed and talked about really worldwide what's going on. And then we also have to talk about what our response is uh, because mm -hmm. as, we, as we look out now uh, to what our response should be, we have to remember that we are the children of Elohim and we are the children walking in the way, the truth and the life. And this has to be our representation before people, before others. And it's really very important uh, how we walk out. It becomes very, very important. And uh, I want to thank you guys. Um, how do you pronounce this? This S-J-K-E-L. Shakel? Shakel? That would be Stephen Tammy Kelsch. 
Oh, Steve and Tammy Kelch. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're from Bismarck, North Dakota. We're new. Oh, from Bismarck, North Dakota. Well, welcome you guys. We're Thank so you. glad to have you, have you with us here today. Thank uh, you. Blessed to join. Yep. This is our Shabbat fellowship. And uh, just a couple things on Shabbat that, um, first of all, I want to welcome you and, and it'll be good for you to get to know the others who are in fellowship with us. It's a very wonderful group of people. Hey. And um, and then yeah, what we're going to do is as we go on, you can use your, you can mute and unmute your Zoom participation just by using your space bar. Okay. Using your space bar. There you go. And so, so if you could, if, uh, if you could remain muted and then when we get into discussion, then we can talk okay. things over. Okay. So yep. it's, it's, what is the first, what are the first two names? Steve and Tammy. Steve and Tammy. Steve and Tammy. Yes. And you're, and you're right in the capital there in Bismarck. Yes, yes we are. Okay. All is right. Our, is our video working where it's still. Can you see us? Yeah, your yes. video is perfect. It's great. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> we were just wondering about that. Okay. Now, something else too, is that you're, we don't have any requirement that your video be on. Uh, for this some people don't like to put themselves out on video when they're when they're talking it's helpful when we when if you have a question raise your hand and then we'll get to the questions as we get later on in in the shabbat okay raise your hand and then we can do we can talk over questions and then you can take your video out like that if you like or you can leave okay. it in it's okay. it's all in your preference okay whatever you okay whatever you prefer, mm -hmm. okay <laughs> all right okay and so let's see we get i think we've got okay now some people have expressed concern that they can't get on because we have a limit of 100 people. We don't have a limit of 100 people. We have a limit of 500 people. And so, and we haven't gotten close to that mark yet. So people, you know, if you have friends that want to join, just be discerning with your friends, okay? We don't want trouble. We want people who are going to come to the fellowship in shalom, in peace, right? And towards one another. So, okay, well, let's open with prayer. And then once we get through the prayer, we're going to talk a little bit about this time of troubles. And we're going to talk also about the beauty of Yah and what he is doing among the brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, we come to you this Shabbat morning and praise your name for giving us the Shabbat and that you have called your people in accordance with your will to the Shabbat and that you would seal your people with the Shabbat. We are so thankful that you have given us a day of rest, one day of rest in seven, and thankful that you have provided for us to be able to honor and respect and to guard the Shabbat as you have seen fit in your calling. We give thanks for that, that we might be able to have today as a day of rest. We also thank you that we're able to gather together in this fellowship. It's crazy times, Father, that we see that the, the beast that lies before us has also created this venue where we who have gathered from all over the world now can join you in fellowship and can come together in one ruach, one spirit, to be together with you and to lift our prayers to you and to lift our praise to you with one voice, a voice that praises the Mashiach, the Yahushah Mashiach, a voice that praises your name for the glory of the heavens and that your name might be glorified on this earth. And as we look out into all of these things, we know that your hand is over us, to here to guide us, to lead and to direct, and that your will is being done on this earth as you desire it to be so. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what happens in this world, 
and that we would also have eyes and ears of repentance that we might reconsider who we are, to know who we are, to reconsider the things that we do, that we might be on the lookout for our own transgressions. That we might be on the lookout for those things that tempt us into sin. And that we might be on the lookout for the, the evil one who seeks to destroy us, who seeks to sift us in this life with accusations, lies, and, and even the willingness to murder. So we praise you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. We praise you for what you're doing in our fellowship, the life of our fellowship. We praise you for what you are doing in dispersing your word throughout the world. We praise you for giving us this time together. May our words be a blessing unto you in all things, and may we be a blessing unto you. And when you return, may you find us faithful. We lift this to you now in the name of Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Okay. All right. So let us begin a little bit. I want to begin. And of course, this is a news hour, but it, there, it, there are some things here that are very, very important, I think, to all of us that have happened in this last week. And some of these things are, uh, it's kind of crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm really sh shocked, frankly, that uh, things have gone the way they've gone. And uh, some people are really taking the position, very strident position. We know now that in some places, the, um, the protocol that is being exacted on the earth has in fact become the mark of the beast. It has in France, it has in Italy, it has in San Francisco, it's about to happen in New York. It's happened within the United States military. It's happened among state workers in Washington. It's happening that you will not be able to buy or sell, say you, say if you have the mark. Now, this is an interesting thing this mark, and there appears to be in scripture uh, a willingness, because when we talk about taking the mark, it's one thing to take the mark. It is another thing to take the mark in the right hand and in the forehead, okay? And what I mean by that is that when you see the scriptural teaching that you are to write this teaching in Devarim, you are to write this teaching on your hand and to write it across your forehead. This is Yah telling you that his Torah is to be working in your hand. That is to say, the things that you do are to be consistent with the Torah. And when you write it in your, in your forehead, this means that you're writing it in your consciousness, right? It's not that you're writing it on top of the skin, but you're writing it in your consciousness and you're writing in that section of your consciousness where your will is. And so you are accepting the doctrine, the dogma, if you will, and you're putting it into your forehead where at this point you can think of it and do. So the Shema tells us to hear and do, right? To hear and do. And it's the same thing with this. The mark is going to cause you to reconsider the scripture that you know in your mind, the Torah that you know in your mind, the reality you know in your mind, and to accept a different one, and then to act on it. 
So this is, so it's one thing to take the mark. It's another thing to take the mark on your right hand and in your forehead. It's a different thing. And when you look at, at Kizion 14, you also have the teaching that says they worship the beast and its, and its image. They worship the beast and its image. So now when we take a look at salvation, we take a look at the, at the story of salvation. We take a look at the walk of faith. The walk of faith is marked by three things. It's marked by the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we talk about these three things, so I haven't done a teaching yet on just the way, simply just the way. But the way is something that is in the image of Yahusha. It's in the image of Yahusha this way, this way that we walk. And it's a walk of simplicity. Now, not everybody is called to the same thing. Some people think that we're all called to the same thing, right? Everybody has to be a pastor. Well, that's not the truth at all. We're called to different things. Some people are called to teach. Some people are called to pray. Some people are called to heal. Some people are called to sing. Some people are called to minister. Some people are called to testify, right? All of these things. And when we talk about a witness who testifies, what's the Greek word for this witness? The word is martyr, martyr. And so we see in the case of Mashiach, who said, Taras, you know what I say. He said, for this reason, I came to the earth. And for this reason, I was born to testify, to testify, you see, and so and to testify to the truth. So in Russian, you have this word to testify. But in Greek, this word is martyrdom, martyrdom. And so you testify. Yes, you testify by the words that come out of your mouth but you testify even louder by the walk you walk. That testifies at a much greater level than the words you speak. And your testimony becomes complete when your testimony is done with endurance from the beginning to the end and with integrity. And integrity is what? Integrity is making your walk match your words. Your walk matches your words. In other words, you can't preach morality out of one side of your mouth while you're doing immoral things uh, with the rest of your body, right? Your integrity requires you to make your walk equal your talk. Now, fully integrated people are very difficult to find because what we find in the faith is we find hypocrisy. We find people who say this and they say that and they fall short of the glory of Yah. And they fall short because there's sin. And sin is the transgression of the Torah. And sometimes we don't know when we sin. Sometimes we don't know when we're engaged in idolatry. Sometimes we don't know when we're engaged in covetousness. Sometimes we don't know when we're engaged in theft. Sometimes we don't know when, when we're engaged in, in uh, disrespect, dishonor, or bearing false witness. We don't know these things because we don't look. 
For instance, if you don't know uh, whose property something is, well, you may steal it without knowing it, right? You may think to yourself, well, that property is available, so I can take some of it. When it isn't, it belongs to somebody. And we engage in thou, thou shalt not steal is violated. When we become bondservants of Yahusha, we become members of the body of Yahusha, and we become stones in his temple. This is his temple. And for us to say, well, we're going to borrow some of that is to steal from directly from him. When we talk about idolatry, the lifting up, the lifting up above your worship of things. Well, I'm going to lift this up above Yah, because to me, this is more important right now. Well, when you lift up something above Yah, you're engaged in idolatry. You may not know it, maybe something slight, maybe something minimal, maybe something who knows. But the point I'm making is that when we transgress Yah's Torah, then we sin. And when we sin, we look like hypocrites to the world. You know, I, I can tell you, my daughter, you know, I, I used to lecture them on no tattoos, no tattoos, no tattoos. And she would say to me, well, you shave the four corners of your beard. Right? <laughs> That's what she'd say. Well, okay. And I guess, I mean, the, the, the edicts come from the same place, right? They're, in, they're found in the same chapter. They're found in the same chapter. And so it's very easy to walk into the Christian church or any other church, any other faith establishment, and say, you preach one thing and you do another, right? You preach one thing and you do another. And part of that has to do with, first of all, what you preach. A lot of it has to do with what you preach. And if you're like a Pharisee who is loading up burdens on people's shoulders, well, in addition to what scripture says you have to do, there's no drinking Coca-Cola, and there's no dancing, and there's no doing this, and there's no doing that, no doing the other thing. You're exacting a greater burden on people. You're exacting a burden on people that doesn't, ex that doesn't necessarily exist in Scripture. I mean, you can't find Coca-Cola anywhere in Scripture, right? On the same hand, you can't find anything in Scripture about uh, being required to take a snake bite either. That doesn't appear anywhere in Scripture. And yet you'll have, you'll have preachers that are now teaching it. That in fact, there's many, many churches that have now converted to that doctrine. And in converting to that doctrine, they convert to the doctrine of the serpent, and they begin to lift up the words of the sorcerers among us. Now, I can tell you, I wrestle in my own heart constantly. Am I misadvising you guys? Am I telling you something false? Am I not fairly representing or accurately representing the scripture. And in, in the case of what we're seeing here today, I don't believe it's true. I don't believe I am misrepresenting this. We have very clear indication in the New Testament that the word sorcery is pharmakia, pharmakia. And we know that it's very clear to us, we see it immediately, what pharmakia means, right? And what pharmacia means, because we know we've, we've been to a pharmacist, we see pharmacies being sold all the time, pharmaceutical companies are ruling the day. They have unbridled license to exact authoritarian regimes over the rest of us. 
And they have now become a cult. They've now become a cult. And the true believers in that cult have no problem in screaming for the death of non-members. In fact, there was a, um, a posting that was put up last night in Germany, you know, spray painted on a wall was uh, in German saying the unvaxxed should be gassed. You know, that's pretty alarming coming from, uh, coming from Germany, coming from a place that has a reputation of using Zyklon B to exterminate their enemies en masse. And yet you see people willing to do this again, people willing to go down this path. And, you know, for me, the logic is kind of like, you know, you either need to take this preventative medical treatment to save your life or I'm going to shoot you. You know, I mean, there's a logical fallacy there that doesn't quite equate. Uh, but at any rate, we see that this hysteria is rising greatly. That uh, there have been, it's not just one nation that is calling for literally the murder of, of uh, people who have not taken that gene therapy. It's going around the United States. There's a member of a guy running for the US House of Representatives that's calling for it. There are people that are calling for internment camps and concentration camps and on and on and on and on. And we see that the, the worst really in mankind is now starting to come out. And there's very little logic behind it. There's only the belief in the panic. There's only belief in the fear. There's only belief in the sorcerer's tale. And so I just don't believe that I'm misleading you by telling you, you should not be with, within that pack of lemmings. You should not be there. And in fact, Yasha says that we need to endure, right? That those who endure shall be saved. Now, we discussed this a little bit last night, this word endure, because in the Hebrew, this word is netzach, netzach. And netzach means not only to endure, but to endure unto victory, to endure unto victory. And, and I'm just going to say this this morning is kind of my teaching this morning. And maybe we can discuss some things because I know there's a lot on people's minds. But when we endure, when you look at what's happening right now, there's been something very interesting happening because the low-hanging fruit that has been plucked by the sorcerers are their true believers, right? The first to get in line were the people who worshipped the white jacket who worshipped the, the serpent's head, who worshipped the serpent on the pole or the two serpents on the pole. They were the very first to get in line. And they don't want to talk about it and they may not want to admit it. Some of them are, are now, and then they're radical. If you don't worship the serpent, then you need to be exterminated. And so these people were the very first to come into this mix. Well, now we know there have been two major virologist and immunologist like Dr. Bosch uh, out of the Netherlands. And there's been a recently peer-reviewed article that was just published in the United States saying that what has happened with this toxin is that it's reversed itself. And instead of pre preventing disease, it's creating disease. And as Dr. Bosch said, if you mass if you use this in a mass way, you're going to create variants 
that are going to leapfrog over it and create a very dangerous thing. Now, just to update you guys, the last time I talked to Jessica, which was uh, Friday morning, on Thursday night, she was admitted into the ER and was diagnosed with pneumonia. So in addition to having all of the other symptoms she had, which were really quite intense, joint pain, organ pain, her daughter was coughing up blood, a fever with no sweat, a fever that was unbreakable, 103 degree fever that she could not break. And there was no sweat accompanied. And she was becoming, uh, she did not have oxygen in her bloodstream. She was down to an 80 count in her oxygen. And so when she went to the ER, they diagnosed her with pneumonia and treated her with for pneumonia, which means that she got her oxygen level back up. But there was another, some rabbi somewhere that died of the exact same thing. And, he, and the, his cause of death was pneumonia. But you can see that people have a, in my opinion, a justified fear of entering the hospital because, you, because we can't trust anybody in that industry anymore. You cannot trust a politician. You cannot trust anybody in the medical profession. Really sad that we've come to that point, but that's what's happened. And so I wanted to update you on that. Now, I think she's doing much better. They were able to, they were able to bring in oxygen into her system. And so I think she's doing much better now, but she still has a long way towards recovery. For some people, uh, the recovery is six weeks. For others, it's up to three months to recover. Okay. And so anyway, but, the, but this is the current situation. So what's taking place now is what is likely to take place. What this peer reviewed article is saying is that there is a very high likelihood that those who have taken the snake bite are in fact going to die and they're going to die in the very near future. And it will be from, because what they have discovered and what this peer review article has published is that the, 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 the snake bite creates a disorder called ADE, ADE, which is an autoimmune deficiency. And it wraps things around to the left and to the right. And so, so this is now, the problem is that because they're exterminating the low hanging fruit, what remains are their enemies. That's who remains. And this is why they become hysterical that now we must move with force to force our enemies to accept the same thing because otherwise they will remain. Now, with this being said, let me say this about, about the, uh, the snake bite because many of us have loved ones and friends who have gone down this path. And I'm gonna say this again now, there, is, there are some people out there that are teaching now and saying that there is a formula, a detox formula that is available, those who are experiencing Vax's regret. Can, can I guarantee it works? I can't. But I can tell you that, uh, that this combination of NAC and glutathione and uh, other things may have an effect. I'm not gonna say it does, but I'm gonna say it may have an effect. Now, if it does have an effect, then uh, you know, you might want to consider it, but there is something that we do know will have an effect, which is prayer. 
And so I'm delivering kind of a double message to you here today. One is that it's one thing to take the mark. It's another thing to take the mark in your right hand and in your forehead. Okay. It's one thing to take the mark. It's another thing to worship the beast. And you have to keep in mind that there are a couple of scriptures that are very poignant. One is that Mashiach says that none will be snatched from my hands. Those who have confessed Mashiach, who may have made a mistake in, in taking the sorcerer's bite, nonetheless, they're not going to be snatched from the hand of Mashiach. And of course, a very important teaching, which is that nothing will separate us from the love of Yah. Right? What does Paul say? I'm convinced that nothing will separate us from the love of Yah. So for us, and of course, there's the passage in Mark 16, which, you know, which you can drink poison, you can be bit by the serpent, and it will not harm you. And then Paul does, in fact, get bit by a serpent and just shakes it off like, yeah, whatever. Right. And so for us, it is important. Our friends and our loved ones are alive, and we need to pray for them while they're still living. And I don't think I'm wrong in teaching that. I don't think I'm wrong in teaching that we pray for the living, no matter what their circumstances are. Okay? And so with all that being said, we, the children of Yella, we still have a duty. And I think it's something very that I was teaching on, on Thursday. This passage that Solomon's talking about in 2 Corinthians 6 or 2 Chronicles 6, where he says, the name is to be proclaimed to all nations that they too may come and worship. The name is to be proclaimed to all nations. So you see David declaring the name to the assembly. You see Yahushua saying, I have declared your name unto them and will declare it. And Solomon is telling us that the name shall be proclaimed unto all nations that they might know. Not reserved unto yourself that you might be the only person with the name but rather proclaimed unto all nations that they might know. And so as we have gone through this, I've kind of tried to show you guys the, the simple approach, which is that the name is something if you can share, if you're going to talk to somebody and you want to sit down and share with them something, share with them the name. Because many people who are, you know, people who love God, and they're in a Christian church where they haven't been fed food in years. They've been fed this bowl of pablum and a little bit of milk year after year after year after year after year. And they can give you the, they can give you the widow's might speech, and they can give you the good Samaritan speech, and they can do this all day long. But when it comes to them, when it comes to them having real understanding about what's going on, they have none. So when we talk about this, giving the name to somebody, you might say to them, well, can I share something with you? You know, I, I've, I've heard many, many people say, they'll say, uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, we lift your name on high. Your name is exalted. And they have all these scriptures quoting on the importance of his name, right? That Solomon built the temple to house the name. David was called to build the temple to house the name. 
that the people of the temple and the people of that kingdom would be of the name and they would be called by his name. And yet you see people who are, well, what, 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 right? And what does even Paul say, right? Or even Mashiach say, you are a Yehudi indeed. Now, what does this you are a Yehudi indeed mean? Well, the kingdom under David, you know, we get the Germanized form of the land. So let me give you an idea how it gets disguised. What was the name of the land that Pontius Pilate governed? We're going to all, our response is going to be Judea, right? Judea. But the Romans didn't call it that. They called it Eudea. Eudea. I-U-D-E-A. Eudea. There wasn't a J there. Somebody put a J there, but it was Eudea. That's why when you see this I-N-R-I that you see quite often, you know, which is, you know, Eeshu, and the Latin spelling was I-E-S-U, Eeshu, Netsidi, Rex, which means king, Eudeo, of the Jews, Eudeo. And so Eudea was the kingdom, Eudea. And now in the Hebrew, Yah, Yahud, Yahud. And so when, when you read in the Sefer, when we talk about Judea, you see the kingdom named as Yahud, Yahud. Now, you can see evidence that the people were called by that name. So the people during that time, like the king, Yahu, you know, we call him Hezekiah, right? But if you look at that roster of kings that were in place during that kingdom, just look at Matthew 1, because Matthew 1 tells us all of the kings, tells us all of the kings that were in place under, uh, under the time of David. And hold on just one second. So in Matthew 1, to give you an idea, so in Yishai begat David the king, David begat Shalomah, and Shalomah begat Rechabam. But listen to the names of the kings that follow. Abiyahu. That's my phone. Hold on just a second, Jazz. Yeah, I'll get everybody else in. Thanks, Jazz. Okay, so some of the names that appear, not all of them, but Abiyahu. Right? And Utsiyahu, Uzziah, right? Utsiyahu. And uh, Yekiskiyahu. And Yoshiyahu. You see? And then Yekonyahu, who is the last king before the Babylonian captivity. Now, after Yekonyahu, you don't have any of those kings named with Yahu at the end. Because the kingdom of Yahud was ended. The kingdom of Yahud was ended, ended with the termination of the temple, which housed the name of Yahuah, you see. And so this is why that what we see is this, when, when, when uh, Mashiach would say, you are a Yahudi indeed, Paul would say that you are a Yahudi. When are you a Yahudi? When you enter the kingdom and it has nothing to do with your race and it has nothing to do with your tribal affiliation. 
but it has to do with the confession of your mouth and the understanding of your heart. Because you have reconsidered what it means to be alive, you have reconsidered who is responsible for the breath you breathe, you have reconsidered whether or not the creator has a name. And once we discover the name, now we become Yahudi indeed. So this idea of the name, teaching this to others, to teach the name to others, to say, let me just share something with you. You know, you thought his name was Lord. And you might ask him, you know, you think his name is Lord or God, but God is not a name. God's a title, right? So what's his name? Ask your fellow brothers and sisters, what's, what's his name? And they're going to tell you, they're just going to look at you like, I don't know. Or maybe some of them might suggest Yahweh, right? I guess it's Yahweh. That's what I heard, Yahweh. And if you come back to them and you explain to them, well, here, let me share with you what the name is. It appears 7,000 times in the Tanakh. And the rabbis will tell you, you can't pronounce it. Men will tell you, you can't pronounce it. But Moses says, publish it. Solomon says, proclaim it to the nations. David says, I have proclaimed it to the assembly. Mashiach says, I have declared it and will declare it. Why? That the love of Yah might be in them and I in them. It's a big deal. That's a big deal. And so, so we talk about the love of Yah. We talk about this name, Yahweh. Share the name Yahweh with your friends. So they say, okay. And then some of them might come back to you and say, well, how do you know that? Right? Well, then that's going to open up a door for a lot of discussion. But the key is, if you say to them, that I say to them, well, his name is Lord, then ask them, are you aware of what Lord is in Hebrew? No, I don't know what Lord is in Hebrew. Baali, Baal, as they say in Texas, Baal. Baal is the name Lord. And Hosea 2 says categorically, you will no longer call me Baali. You will call me Ishi. You will no longer call me Baali. Very important because, uh, well, anyway, I'm not going to get into the whole litany about Baal, but I think it's important when somebody discovers, what? Are you trying to tell me that when I use the name Lord, I'm calling him Baal? Yes, that's exactly what's going on. And so that helps to kind of open the door. Now, after you have shared with them the name, then share with them the good news. And what is the good news? You can just write this down as a reference point. It's Isaiah 61. It's the same thing that Mashiach shared when he came out of the desert, having fasted for 40 days. And he went into the synagogue on Shabbat, as was his custom. And he read Isaiah 61. But we can read the entirety of the passage, right? We can read the entirety of the passage. The Ruach Adonai Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to preach the Besorah and to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our Elohim, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, 
to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the ruach of heaviness, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he might be glorified. Right? This is the, the simplicity of the gospel message. Then they might come back to you and say, well, I thought we had to uh, confess the name of Jesus and, and be baptized in order to do this. Well, yes. How is this good news realized? If they don't know that all of mankind stood condemned before the Father as a result of the ending of the Northern Kingdom and the end of the Southern Kingdom, if they don't know that they were condemned before the Father to have the same fate as the fallen watchers, then they don't know the work of Mashiach. Because when they learned the work of Mashiach, he discovered that that door was opened and the relationship restored by the death and resurrection of Mashiach. And it's not just a given, it just doesn't happen. People just don't all of a sudden obtain salvation because Mashiach died. But rather, you have to take the gift. The gift is there and you have to accept the gift and you have to believe in what was done. And when you believe in what was done and then you're baptized as a second witness, you have entered the kingdom. You have entered the kingdom. Then you are Yehudi indeed. Okay. Then if people ask you following that, well, what do we do after that? Then show them the way. Show them the ten Devarim, the covenant of Yahweh. Show them the ten Devarim. Don't get into a bunch of discussion about the food laws and whether or not you owe somebody a bull if, you, if your bull goes into the ditch. You know, don't get into that stuff. Start by teaching the ten Devarim, the ten Devarim and the five duties. And these things, if these things can be understood by those around you, they're going to begin to see a very clear path. Now, we do not know the miracle of salvation of Yah, okay? For all of those that are snake bit that Yah has already called out and they've erred in their walk, fortunately, they're the only ones on earth that have ever committed error. We know that we are error-free and sin-free, right? <laughs> you know, I'm telling a joke here, right? And so as a consequence, Yah may move with, it, with a glorious hand and say, I'm extinguishing all that stuff. And I'm calling my wheat back out of that crop, no matter how much you tried to poison them with Roundup, I'm calling my wheat out of that crop, right? And so with that, my friends, I'm, I'm just gonna, we're gonna go to some questions now because I know we have a lot to talk about. And, and I do wanna take some questions from you. And so, um, so anyway, I wanted to give you that simple message because we need to know that even though there is uh, there's hardship in front of us, and for some of us, the path is becoming very desperate. I'm going to lose my job. Right? They already told me that if I'm not jabbed by the 15th, I'm going to lose my job. Well, you might want to ask, what is the social remedy? The social remedy is quit. That's the social remedy. Imagine. Let me give you an example. Suppose the, the supermarket comes down and says, you know, you, you must be, uh, you must have the snake bite in order to stay working here, or you have to wear a mask and be tested twice a week. And everybody in the supermarket said, we quit, and they all walk out. 
And I'm talking everybody, including the managers, and they just get up and walk out and you leave the doors unlocked. Call the owner and say, there's, there's not going to be anyone here in five minutes because we all quit. Click and then leave. What happens? Do they have a company? What happens if all the state workers who are being mandated by the governor, you must have the snake bite or you can't work here. What if all of them, including those who have already been snake bit, quit and say, okay, bye, you run it. You answer the phones, you do the computer data entry, you do the accounting, you do the, the, the whatever it is that's necessary to be done. What happens if that happened? Walk out. You don't have to do anything violent to anybody. Walk out. Just walk out. Now, if this was something more, if I were, if I were telling you, and, and I've already told you that the data by the overwhelming journals, including peer-reviewed articles, appears to point to the fact that this snake bite is, in fact, fatal. If it is, in fact, fatal, then let's just take some other fatal thing that somebody gets a wild hair that we need to do, okay? All right, in order to stay working here, everybody must play Russian roulette with uh, three bullets in the, in the chamber. Is, there, is it a difficult decision? Well, I need to stay there because I've got benefits. I need to stay there because my retirement program is there. Oh, really? You're gonna play Russian roulette because your retirement program's there? You wouldn't do it, you wouldn't do it. But somehow this is disguised. Well, this isn't gonna harm you. Why? Because some people haven't yet experienced whatever it is it may be. And so all I can tell you is, is that when we look at this kind of thing, we don't have to get carried away with anything, but you always have a choice. You can quit, you can leave, you can walk away, maybe difficult, but remember that we believe in Yah and his mercies and what he and that he will provide. Okay. All right. Okay, Chris, how are you, my friend? How's how are things going in South Africa? Yeah, hi Doc. So so nice to be uh, with everybody here today. It's, uh... Good to see you, my friend. Um I've got a got a bit of a testimony, Doc. Um I've also been I've been ill for three weeks now with uh, with this thing, and um, prophylactically I was taking ivermectin, and I believe that really really helped me and my wife. Um, but barring as it may, it was very bad. I didn't eat for a week, and I was in bed, and I had those chills and um, fever, but no sweat and no taste, and, um, you know, that's all that, all that nonsense that, that goes with this thing. And I was lying in bed, but out of these, out of, out of this uh, came three things that were really pertinent. And, and you've, you've touched on all of them today on, on your, on your, on your um, interlude to this uh, program. Um, the, f the first one, well, how did I get it? You know, and why do I get it? You know, it goes through your mind because, you know, you keep the Sabbath. Then. But you're a teacher because you like to tell other people and you are not capable of doing it. And I'm speaking to everybody here because it's, it's, 
it's it's a down to earth kind of experience because you you um, you think you're okay. You're not okay. Nobody's okay. Nobody is okay. And when you're lying in bed and the devil attacks you like you cannot believe, it's like a spiritual battle. And you have a pure thought that you think is pure. And the way the subtlety of the deception is uncanny. It's uncanny. It gets to a point where you're deviating off truth. And the only way you know truth is by the word. And you will follow that ill advice. You will follow that ill thought, thinking that it's true in a state of weakness when you're lying in your bed and you haven't eaten for a week. And the way, I, the way I saw it, Doc, is that the paradigm of your soul shifts. It's like you are this way, but if he can twist you just a little bit more, then your, the paradigm of your thinking, of your thoughts, just shift off center slightly. And it's, you know, it's, it's the pride of life. It's the, uh, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Those are the things that he attacks you on. And in these good thoughts, you start thinking a weird thing. And you might say, yeah, that, that sounds really, really nice. But it's so subtle that you've got to be so on your guard. And I can see, you know, the, the, you know, the, the sins of Eve and Adam. And it's so subtle, but it happens and it's so quick to happen. And you are so deceived in your own soul. And that's what we've got to really guard against. Now, the, the now Chris, got, before you, Chris, before yes, you go on. Yes, yes. Your testimony here is really, really important. And I think you're raising something that is because Jessica mentioned something quite similar. She said it was just flat demonic attack. And the subtleties of this, and I think what you may have, what you may have picked up may have been this so-called Lambda variant. And, uh, and in this Lambda variant, we're seeing something quite new because this is a, uh, a hop, skip, and a jump beyond the, the snake bite. And in fact, they're admitting now that the snake bite has zero efficacy for this lamb, Lambda variant, zero efficacy. Because it created it, because this is what Dr. Bosch was saying, that this variant was going to be created because of this mass injection protocol. And when, so you have this combination of what is in the snake bite together with what is in this weaponized variant. Now, let me ask you your experience, because Jessica testified that in her opinion, this was clearly her body was testifying. This was a weaponized uh, device. Did you did you experience that, Doc? I I, I can't say that I because purely I um, um out of my depth. Uh, what I what I absolutely. Uh, you know when you were a child and you got flu and you were sick, 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 and your mother sort of helped you and you get nightmares and you feel yeah. like you, you, you are weak. You, you're going to, you know, you out of the body almost experience. That's what I felt like. And, and, you know, for a grown man to lie in bed for a week without eating 
you you got no energy. You you up for five seconds to go to the bathroom maybe, and then you are flat on your back and you're gone for another couple of hours. I was drinking four liters of water, but yet my 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 tongue was parched. My eyes were crystallized in the sockets. It terrible, terrible, doc. Wow. Yeah. But okay. Uh, now the good thing that came out of that was this realization of the soul thing that and how quick it is to be deceived and especially to this group because we think that we know everything and we okay and we are uh, on the right path and we are and which we are which we are but the deception is so subtle and it is so canny and it is so it, it's, it's, it is so um, sconniving that we've got to be careful. We've really got to be careful. And for this group, I got this, I got this thing out of one, uh, Psalm uh, 127, that we are as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. And blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And that's a testimony that you just given with your children you know, we always think arrows, well, you know, but arrows aren't, I, I, did a, I did a research on this, arrows aren't really that, really that nice in, in the word. But the point is, an arrow, um, if a child is like an arrow, he tells you the truth and it pierces you and it hurts. And like with like like what you said with the with the tattoo and the and, and yeah, but you've got the beard and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and you cut the corners of them. So the point is that the arrow hits you back with truth about your innermost soulish issues, and you better listen. And as all of us are like arrows in God's hand, we are able to tell other people certain things in love and they better listen. They better listen because the time is very, very short. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Very, very now, short. The second, thing, the second thing, I mean, I prayed for all of you guys really. I mean, I just saw your names and uh, uh, all these people with their hands up. <laughs> but anyway, the, um, it's, 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 it's marvelous. This group is just amazing. Um, that 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 these people have entered into our hearts in such a short period of time, and even the ones that are quiet, you know. Um, anyway, uh, 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 the second the second thing, Doc, that that was really now I've spoken about gematria before. Now gematria is a Babylonian practice, and it's evil, and. Um, there's that guy, Zachary K. Hubbard. You can go look him up. You can check his stuff. You don't have to go and do the hard yards. He's done it already. He's not a Christian. He's got a potty mouth. But the point is that he shows you exactly how this world is being run by gematria, by numbers, because the Zohar says that God created the world with numbers, uh, words, and uh, and letters. And, um, and, and, so, so this is how they rule the world. This is a spell. It's a spell on the world. The sorcery, one of the parts of the sorcery trick is gematria. And what the Sefer has done, Doc, and this is, 
this is what was so clear in my mind when I was lying there, was that it breaks the spell of the martyr. All this English that has been brought in to do this gematria throughout the years, throughout the centuries, it's a, it's a well-organized, very, very intelligent ploy. The Sefer has broken it because it brings in the names. It brings in the name of Yahweh. It, it cancels all this stuff. And therefore, this Sefer is a powerful tool that breaks free from the spell that uh, the world is under. It is, I, I, I just, when I realized that, I was just rejoicing. I couldn't believe it. It was marvelous in, 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 in Chris. When you're saying that, I was thinking about this this morning because we, we've had guests at our house all week, and the and the guest for the first time this morning, he brings up Gematria, and he's saying you know Gematria something something about Gematria concerning some numbers. I don't remember exactly what it was, and my experience with Gematria has been that people who practice Gematria unknowingly, you know, they start looking at the numbers. I mean, it drives them schizophrenic. I mean, they, they lose their mind. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like everything is everything is gematria. Well, I have to compare this number to that number to this number to that number. And it really, it doesn't gel with any particular scriptural meaning. But the one place that you, the one example you see of gematria, and there's only one place in all of scripture that you see gematria, which is in the re end of Revelation 13. And every English edition assumes gematria. And they assume it. Now, remember, at the end of Revelation in Kizion, it says very clearly, do not add to or take from this prophecy. But all of the interpreters have looked at this key C stigma and have said, well, that doesn't amount to a Greek word. Therefore, it must be gematria, even though the Greeks didn't really practice a gematria. But if there's any implication that you know, that this is wisdom. Let he who has wisdom count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is Gematria. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. If you look at the forest for the trees, we didn't do it. We took a look at the word and we said, okay, this is the one example of Gematria, but we can't say that there is an instruction anywhere in scripture that says apply gematria to these three Greek letters. And so when you look in the Sefer, you're going to find those three Greek letters. You're not going to find 660 and six. And I can remember we've, we presented that we presented a copy of this text to Walid Shubat. And he, when he's looking to Revelation and he comes to Revelation 13 and he saw the Keatsy stigma and he went, who did this? Who did, who did this, right? And because I think you're right. I think what you're saying is very true. We didn't know it at the time. We didn't do anything intentionally, Chris. We followed the Ruach's leading. And the Ruach was saying, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to do the other thing. And as we did it, and of course, we were told to set forth the name, to set forth the name. And when we did, I mean, people wanted to kill us. They wanted to murder us, you know? And there are still people that want to murder us. Uh, but you're right. In my heart, I know you're right, because there was, when you look at, at the KJV interpreters, they interpreted with a rhythm. 
They would take the semantic and they'd run it this way. And then the next phrase, they'd run it back, run it backwards. They'd reverse the semantic. And they did this throughout. They did this throughout the Old and the New Testament. And you had intentional obfuscation in many, many places. And of course, the obfuscation of using the word Lord, which again would create, a, you know, which would create a gematric balance, if you will, and a gematric balance that was designed to at all times obfuscate and keep the truth from being seen in the scripture. And then when you see when you see the Masoretic vowel points, for instance, that you find in the Hebrew, the Masoretic vowel points, those are there to obfuscate the truth of what's there in scripture. Now, it's not going to obfuscate, shall we say, if you're out there talking about the weather, how's the weather today? You can, you can give the true answer as to how the weather is, and the Masoretic text would reveal. Here's the statement to how the weather is. When it comes to what's his name, that's going to be obfuscated. When it comes to the testimony, the prophecy in Leviticus 17.11 that says he and I have provided this blood on the altar, that's going to be obfuscated. When you have the most critical passages in scripture that are telling you, the Aleph Tav, for instance, that's telling you about Mashiach, that's going to be obfuscated. It's going to be changed up. It's going to, you know, all this stuff is, it's crazy because on one hand, we're going to give you the scripture, but in the critical places, in the critical places, we're going to modify it. Yeah. We're going to change it. We're going to disguise it. And, you know, and when you talk about the deviance of the serpent, people don't know how deviant the, the serpent is, right? We see that we, we're, all of us are so much smarter than Eve. You know, Eve got beguiled by the serpent. That wouldn't have happened to us, right? Yes, it would have. And then the fact that Adam followed her, you know, did Adam look, Adam looked and said, here's my wife and she's just bitten, eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She's going to die. So I have a choice. I can either let her die or I can join her and die with her. Well, you, you, know, you pray for her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could have done it. Well, that didn't occur to him. Right. Yeah. But the fact is, is that, you know, you know, it's very easy for us to judge the house of Yasharel. We would have done so much yeah. better. I mean, how many of us sat back in our lifetime and judged the Nazis? Those those idiot Germans, they just suckered into that thing and they just did the thing, you know. Well, guess what? Guess who's doing it now? Yeah. Guess who's doing it now? Right. Yeah. And you're right. And the serpent comes in. And this is why it's so critical for people who hear voices, who may hear, they, they think they're hearing the voice of the Ruach, or they think they're hearing the voice of an angel or whatever, they're hearing the voice of Yah. If the voice is counter to what is written in scripture, then that's it is it. not the voice of Yah. That's it. And, I've, you know, I've, and, I've, I've seen uh, this, uh, you know, you can, you can go on YouTube, you can see the testimonies of uh, the... the um, the um, Jehovah's Witnesses and how they pray and how they answered by the Ruach that who believe they think is the Ruach totally, totally against scripture, but they follow the spirit more than what they would follow the word. Yeah, and Pentecostals they do are that deceived, as well. Yep. Deceived so subtly, so subtly, but yet so such a grave error in, in the end. It's unbelievable. It's uncanny. And that, that's the whole point. The point is, we think, and all of us, all of us that, that are of this movement and of this belief, we think that, well, we, we got it better. We understand more. We, 
we, I mean, surely we have been blessed. Uh, the, 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 I mean, this, this year is, is a great blessing. But uh, the point is that we are still susceptible. We are so weak in the flesh that we must never, ever think the pride of life must never, ever come up to think that we cannot be deceived. And right. that would right. be my warning. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good warning this morning, Chris. And, you know, and, and thank you so, so much, Doc. Thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for this family. And bless you guys, all of you. Um, yeah, uh, it's beautiful. Thank you very much. Well, bless you, Chris. Bless you. Thank you. Okay, John, how are you, buddy? I hit my space bar. It didn't unlock, so I had to do it the other way. Uh, wow, Chris, I always love it when you when you share because you are just such a, a tremendous witness. Um, you know, I just to piggyback off that before I get into my question. You know, during uh, uh, the time of Constantine and this Mithras worship and all that, they had these talismans that had the number of one through thirty six on them, and and the the best ones were the ones that added up to six six six. And it just amazes me how we're still in this same thing. And so I just thank you so much for pointing that out. That is, that is where we are. We, we, we're still involved in this same satanic push that's been ever since the time of Nimrod trying to take over the world with, with the Tower of Babel, you know. So, and now let's, let's take just for a second on that, John, just for okay. a second. You know, if you go back and you look at the Sumerian record, not the Samaritan record, but the Sumerian record, the Sumerian record is littered with counting in sixes. It's littered with counting in sixes. And so what you see is, and in fact, of the 22, what is it? I think there's 2,200, uh, not scrolls, but they're actually carvings on stone. 90% of them are numbers. They're not words. So the Sumerian, the Sumerian script that we have is very small compared to the amount of numerology they left behind. But when you talk about a 60-minute hour, for instance, and a 60-second minute, that has its origin in Sumeria. That has its origin in the 666. There is nothing in Scripture that says an hour is 60 minutes, right? There is something in scripture that says the hours are to be traced by using a sundial because that appears in Isaiah. But there's nothing saying 60 minute hour. There's nothing saying 60 second minute. And by us living in a world that is trapped in a calendar that is an algorithm, the calendar is an algorithm, the hour is an algorithm, the minute is an algorithm, the week is an algorithm, the week may not be an algorithm because there's a seven day, a seven day pattern. But the month is an algorithm. The 365-day year is an algorithm. It's imposed. We're going to guess at what we think the, the, you know, the world is going to do in relationship to, to the universe. And then we're going to impose this calendar. And then it becomes even more arbitrary. We're going to start the, the day in the middle of the night. We're going to start the year in the middle of the year. We're going to do all of this other stuff that is imposed stricture, Right. It's imposed, and it is imposed by Rome, and Rome imposed it using Sum a Sumerian, Babylonian, Nimrodian base, <laughs> right, if you will. Yep. <laughs> okay, all right, John, go ahead. All right. Yeah, we could go down Sorry, that path uh, John, for a long time. John, John, I just wanted to you know, say to you as well, thank you so much for what you do, and the things that you say uh, really just touch me as well, and um, 
yeah, I, you are you are bigger my heart, um, and and I, the, the Father loves you so much. <laughs> I, I really, I, that's something that I have to say. He told me he said he loves you so much. Um, I've got other words, but I won't tell them now. Cheers. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Well, thank well, let me you ask so you, John. Much. John, where are you located, by the way? Uh, South Dakota. You're in South Dakota, so we got some new we got some new folks here from North Dakota, right? Right. Right. So you guys are practically neighbors. Almost, almost, probably only a couple hundred miles apart. But you know, those people in North Dakota are, are kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, they know how to endure the cold, you know. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't have cold there in South Dakota, do you? No, that's, no, we're that's that's like being in Florida, right? Yeah, right. Well, it's it's really amazing how it goes from the south end of South Dakota to the north end. It's typically a thirty to forty degree difference on any given day in the wintertime. Is that right? So there really it's is just a, phenomenal really is when you get when you get that far, and then you get into North Dakota. The cold just and they can keep it up there, you know. But and, and I hope I hope our new friends know that I'm just kidding about North Dakota, right? Yeah, they know. I, I'm sure. I'm okay. Sure. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, us Dakotans, we know how to take a joke. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I kind of, I've been working here on this uh, stuff here, kind of the idea of law versus grace. And uh, I I was going through this the other day and uh, it really struck me uh, this phrase, uh, the, the works of the law. And uh, so I'm, you know, because it seems to me, you know, that, that when Paul, because everybody wants to use Paul as this guy, he said, do away with the law. Uh, but he spoke of multiple different aspects, right? He spoke of the Torah as being part of the law, probably the Talmud or the Talmudic law, the oral law. And then he also mentions, you know, the, the, the law of uh, Elohim, of Mashiach, and even the law of grace. So we have multiple things there. But in the Greek, it's all used with the same word. You know, it's and almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, uh, I guess this is my question here. I'm going to try to get this formed out here. Uh, is, is the works of the law then, is this what's presented in like Hebrews 9 and 10? You know, the, bulls, uh, the blood of bulls and goats uh, is from dead works, it says, for it is impossible for the, the blood of bulls and goats uh, to take away sins. Uh, in Galatians 2, uh, 15 and 16, uh, we're Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. Well, what does he mean by that? You know, uh, the Jews, well, they observe the Torah, right? But so then it says, but know that no one is justified by works of the law. And then in Galatians 5, uh, uh, don't rel- those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, right? The righteous live by faith. Then we get to uh, Romans 3, uh, well, all of all of Romans really just testifies to the, to the Torah. I, I don't know how I missed it for so many years, but I did. Uh, but it says we're justified by, by, by faith, not by works of the law, you know? Uh, so I'll, I'll just kind of leave it there. Of course you have Acts 13. Well, let's talk, let's talk about it a little bit, John. I mean, you've raised a lot of issues and there. Some of them are subtly different from others. Right. But, you know, when you talk about the bloods of, of uh, bulls and goats, right. I've mentioned this before. Somebody is sitting there thinking, boy, you know, this is a crime I want to commit. You know, I want to knock off that bank, right? Right. And I'm going to knock off that bank, but guess what? I've got a bull over here, right? So I'm going to go knock off that bank and then I'm going to sacrifice the bull. I'm done. I'm good, right? 
And you can see, like, let me give you another example. You say to yourself, I'm lawful. Why? Well, the speed limit said 55 and I did 55. Therefore, I'm righteous. Mm-hmm. You're not righteous. The works right. of the law have not done anything. But you have people, and what Paul is talking about is you have people who think that I don't have to believe in Yah. I don't have to believe in Yahusha, the son of man, and the son of Elohim. I don't have to believe in that. I don't have to believe in the resurrection. And I don't have to believe in the curse of Adam. All I have to do is complete the laws that were given to us by Moshe. And if I do those things, then I've got a pathway to heaven. There is nothing, nothing in the Torah that says you have a pathway to heaven by keeping the law. What is said by keeping the law is that you will not be cast out of the land. I will not bring your enemies up against you. I will not crush you. I will instead prosper you where you are and where you live. This is what will happen. But it has nothing to do with being in the kingdom of heaven. Because what is the kingdom of heaven about? Abraham believed, and it was counted as righteousness unto him. Because what happened? Was Abraham given a kingdom? Well, ultimately he was, but he didn't know that. He was told, go. Get out of here and go. And I'm going to send you as a stranger into a strange land. And then even after he gets to Canaan, he has the dream, right? Oh, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take your descendants into Egypt for a while. Well, why are you taking us into Egypt? What's that whole thing about? You know that this covenant was cut, right? The covenant with the, with the where the fire walked through the, the the divided animals in his vision. In his vision. But you see this this uh, you know it's called the Apocalypse of Abraham. There's a separate writing called the Apocalypse of Abraham that deals with that particular deal in much more detail. What is this all about? Why would this happen? Because Abraham had a promise that he did not see for years and years and years and years and years. But Yah told him, go and do this. And he believed, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. And so this is what, what when we talk about faith, and, and you know, and it gives, you've got to look at these terms for what they mean, right? Grace does not mean license to sin. Right. That doesn't mean that. What grace is, is Yah's impetus to reach his children. He doesn't have an impetus to reach the fallen watchers, <laughs> right? He's not coming down to knocking on the door of a fallen watcher and saying, open, and I will come in and dine with you, right? Because I am here, and I'm here to bring you the gift of salvation. That's not happening with the fallen watcher, but it happens with us. Why? Because Yah is impelled he wants to reach his children and his desire to reach his children this is grace it's his graciousness that salvation what does it say no which is yah demonstrates his love for us that mashiach died for us while we were yet still his enemies you know, so what is this graciousness? That is great. That is the very definition of grace right there. That's the very definition of grace, that he would come to us while we were his enemies and still knock on the door. No, I am going to redeem you from your condemnation. I am going to restore your uh, ability to regain the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to restore that. Okay, so this is grace. Now, what is faith? 
Well, if you look at the term, if, if, if your wife says, I want you to be faithful, what is she talking about? Don't go step out. <laughs> Does that mean believe that you're married? Well, that's a part of it. That's a part of it, right? You want to believe that you're married. But if your right. wife says she wants you to be faithful, she's talking about a kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. She's talking about you walking in comporting with what you said you were going to do, right? And this is the thing we talked about earlier. We talked about this idea of integrity, right? That you walk the talk. You talk the talk, and then you walk the talk. This is the this is the integrated. This is integrity, and this is what faithfulness is. So we are saved by grace, the graciousness the graciousness of Yah, who gave His Yet Yakid to die for us while we were yet still sinners. This graciousness, we are saved by that graciousness. Through faith, by being faithful to our confession that that is, in fact, our redemption. Not by, hey, I did 100% of the Torah. And believe me, I know people who openly deny Mashiach, who think they have salvation because they, quote, unquote, haven't sinned. Mm. And Paul's telling you the point, and, and Paul was dealing with two concepts. One concept was, Hey, I'm circumcised, therefore I've got an automatic automatic gate to heaven. Doesn't make any difference what I do, I'm circumcised. Yep. Therefore, I've got an automatic gate to heaven. Then the other one was that I'm doing all of the works of the law. Mm-hmm. No, I don't walk farther than a Sabbath day journey. I don't do this. They follow all the rabbinical commands that are found in the 26 volumes of the Mishnah, which is the writing down of the oral law. I do all of those things. Therefore, I have the kingdom. And he's saying, neither one of those people have the kingdom. Neither one of them have the kingdom because the condemnation remains. Why does the condemnation remain? Because they do not have faith in the death and resurrection of Mashiach. And if they do not have faith in the death and resurrection of Mashiach, the condemnation remains. The condemnation that caused the northern kingdom to be destroyed and dispersed throughout the earth the condemnation that caused Solomon's temple to be destroyed and all of Judea taken into captivity. That condemnation, that condemnation remains. And you can sit here and do the works of the law until you're blue in the face. You're still going to be suffering from that condemnation because you did not believe in the death and resurrection of Mashiach. You see? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You've just kind of touched on things without like justification and sanctification. And, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're made right by his blood. We're saved from him through his blood. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Because the condemnation ends because the condemnation ends. Right. Yeah. So then, but he also goes on to say, is the law sin? Well, absolutely not. You know, is it done away with? No, it's, it's still there. It's just, it's holy, it's good. And so that's, that's my question here is, is, is there that division of, of of the bulls and the goats? Let's just say the priestly aspect, because we know that Yahusha came and he's now our high priest in the order of, well, I was trained Melchizedek, but you say Melchi Sadiq, which I love. <laughs> but Sadiq, yeah. uh, so so but we have this 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 division then or or this priestly stuff so all that where the priest came looked at your house looked at your arm did all that all that's done away with because we have this new high priest but that doesn't mean that the rest of it is is gone does it and you know in deuteronomy the 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 torah was put in the ark which is representative of the of the heart i think 
and 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 the Torah was put on the outside, and it said it was to uh, be a sign as a judgment, or I can't even remember the exact way that. It's yeah, said. and it's it's both of those actually. I mean, Moshe's Torah is given for wisdom and understanding, right? Okay? And that's why Moshe's Torah is given. And so this is why Moshe's Torah still prevails, but it's not immutable. So, for instance, we can say. Uh, if an ox, if, you know, if you if you cause your neighbor's ox to go into a ditch, then you have this kind of compensation that's due, right? Right. Well, well, what happens if you cause your your neighbor's forklift to go in the ditch? Or what happens if you ram your neighbor's car? Well, the Torah doesn't speak anything about an automobile, right. but the concept speaks about an automobile. Right. The Torah doesn't speak specifically about a modern day injury, but the, the idea of compensation for a tortious wrong is given in the Torah, and then that becomes wisdom and understanding that we can write law from that, that is based out of that, that understanding, that precept. When it comes to the Ten Commandments, these are not going to be rewritten. They're not going to be added to, and they shouldn't be subtracted from, right. as many religions do, right? The Christian mm -hmm. church has just taken out the big eraser and wiped out, guard my Shabbat. Here, just a minute. Anybody got a, anybody got a black marker? I got to highlight, you know, the guard the Shabbat section. Uh, but, you know, you're not supposed to do that. But that's Yah's covenant. But when you talk about Moshe's law, Moshe's law is given for wisdom and understanding. And that means that it's mutable. It's mutable. Okay. Uh, however, when you get to a point where you're starting to mutate the keep the Shabbat, which means do no servile work until somebody, some rabbi tells you, you need to be in a coma. <laughs> You know, Friday night, go into a coma because you shall not exhale, right? You know, that that is an extrapolation that Mashiach finally came and said, hey, look, you guys, guess what? You're not a slave to the Shabbat. The Shabbat is here to give you rest. So mm -hmm. stop putting, stop loading up this burden on your back about how you have to do Shabbat. Just rest, right? What does it say in Jubilees? Eat, drink, and bless Yahweh. Simple formula, right? Stop doing your work. Stop buying and selling because you're causing someone else to work. Stop doing your work and eat, drink, and bless. And have a good day. Have a good time, right? This is, this is Shabbat, right? And so with these kinds of things, what you see is that Moshe's Torah is not going to go away. But Mashiach says, point blank, if you're going to justify yourself by the Torah, Moshe will be your judge. Mm -hmm. And if Moshe is your judge, you better have kept every Shabbat because if you haven't, that's death penalty for you. Right. Yep. And that isn't the situation. So this is why when we look at Moshe's Torah, it is good to study the Torah, Moshe's Torah, particularly if you want to be a lawyer, you know, I mean, there's a great book out there. It's RJ Rush Dooney's, uh, the institutes of biblical law. And he breaks it down into 10 sections predicated by the Ten Commandments. So you have the Ten Commandments laid out in these 10 sections. And then under that, he gives all of the 613 mitzvot of Moshe and how they apply under each given commandment. Now, for most people, it's going to be way too much work to read that. It's like, ah, I don't know, man, that's really dry, right? You know, it's like licking sand at the beach, you know, <laughs> right? But I can tell you that uh, that is a, an absolutely superb study and in terms of how to integrate the tr the total the totality of the Torah into your life, because then you be you can begin to see that there is really what we consider arbitrary and capricious laws that are found in the Torah. 
Like, let me give you an example. One thing that we see in the Torah that's not practiced anywhere in the Western world is the dowry for a wife, mm -hmm. the dowry, right? And so the dowry is to be given because guess what? If the husband does no longer finds the wife favorable and wants to put the wife away, she has the right to her dowry. She has the right to her dowry. And then her dowry gives her an opportunity to survive, you see? And so this was a Torah command. And there are different things that if, when, you, when you start to look at this idea, and there's a distinction between divorcing your wife and putting your wife away. Mashiach says you should not put your wife away, right? You should not be right. putting your wife away. And so, because why? Because he calls to a Torah that existed before Moshe wrote a word. Yah created them, male and female, he created them, that they should be united as one flesh, that the man should leave his parents and cleave unto his spouse, and that they should be united as one flesh. This was the command. Moshe suffered to give you a certificate of divorce, however, because of the hardness of your hearts. Mm -hmm. But I tell you the truth, in the beginning, it was not so. It was not so, you see? And so when we, when we talk about these Torah commands, like I say, for a, for a student that is interested, truly interested in the Torah and not just giving lip service to, gee, I'm a Torah keeper and you people are all sinners. I'm going to bash you in the head with the, with the Pentateuch, right? And I've mm -hmm. seen that go on. And they don't know the Torah. They don't know the nuances and the subtleties of Moshe's law. And, and now when you talk about the Levitical priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, this is a group of statutes and commands governing the practice of animal sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But in Jeremiah 7, you have Yah telling him, saying, hey, you want to go out and sacrifice a bull? Go sacrifice a bull, eat the flesh, have a barbecue. You know, put some barbecue sauce on that. But I never commanded you to do that when I brought you out of Mitzrayim. Look at the Ten Commandments and show me sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And Mashiach quotes a passage twice. There's only one passage he quotes twice in Scripture. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Haven't you read... I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Now, you would think that people would, would have an understanding of what that means. You know, this chesed, chesed, this idea of graciousness, this idea of mercy, right? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what does Yah say? I desire obedience, not you killing a bull after you disobeyed and expecting to be justified. Don't go, go out there and sin and then think you're going to kill a bull and you're going to be justified. So Solomon comes in, oh, look, I'm going to commit a lot of sin here. 10,000 bulls. Now I'm justified, right? That explains all the wives. For the next 20 years, but I'm justified, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a very good issue that you're raising because Paul is not walking us away from it. But what Paul is saying is, is that, if you're, it's in context, you know, if you think that I'm going to be justified, my salvation is going to be obtained by keeping the law, it's not. You were condemned, and this is what he's trying to tell you. You were condemned until the death and resurrection of Mashiach. You were condemned. Doesn't make any difference. If you perform 190% of the law, right. you're condemned. The only thing that ends that condemnation is the death and resurrection of Mashiach which you must believe on to be saved, to experience the end of that condemnation. And that is the only thing
that takes the sin of Adam, that takes the sin of, of uh, uh, Yeroboam, that takes the sin of Manasseh, that takes the sin of Yekonyahu, that takes the sin of Zedekiah, that takes the sin of Solomon away from you. It takes that sin away from you. That's your, you, you, If you were a person who did 100% of the Torah, can you reverse death in this world? No. Do you think that if you never sinned, that you would never die? <laughs> no. That's not going to happen because no. death came into the world as a result of the sin of Adam. And the no. only thing that redeems us from that is the fact that Yahusha took death captive. And he took death captive and saying, I am going to reopen the doors of the temple by my blood, by my resurrection. The door of the temple is opened anew. We are the temple. The kingdom is open to us. This is what has happened. And, see, and there's nothing in the works of the law that get that to you. Right. However, after we have this situation, we say, okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for opening the door to us. We believe on this. Thank you for making the kingdom available to us. Now what? Uh, well, uh, we want to build a gymnasium, so we got a new building <laughs> program. I mean, you know, you know. Now what? Well, guess what? There is the way, right? Come out of her, my people. Come out of Babylon. Learn the way and walk it. Okay. Thanks, John. I gotta, yeah. I gotta continue, buddy. Yep. Keep going. Blessings to you. Thank you. Okay, Josh, how are you? Very good. Thank you, Doctor P. Um, I was thinking about uh, what you would said over the last couple of weeks, especially on uh, in just even today with the outcome expected for everyone that takes the, the vaccine. Have, have you thought about the scriptures, what it says in the scriptures about that period of time and the tsunami of children that won't have supervision and the role of the remnant and um, it seems like it's setting up for like a Schindler's list of whoever you help, you save, and whoever you're not able to help um, are going to be in dire consequence. Mm. You know, oh, a lot of times we think about how this affects ourselves, but if what happens, you know, per the experts does happen, this time next year, just projecting forward, it's going to be pretty dire for many of those I mean, yeah, Josh, you know, all the remnants and maybe the state's planning to fill fill the, you know, that up with children that don't have parents or supervision or what have you. I, I'm not I haven't looked at any of that. What are your thoughts about this tsunami? And it's going to be worldwide. This this is everywhere. It's going to affect everyone that's on this call, whether it's family or friends or people that you don't even know, infant babies looking at the children and the scriptures. What are your thoughts for the roles and responsibility of the remnant? Thank you. Well, thank you, Josh. And thank you for that question. I mean, it's a, yeah, yeah, thank you. You know, if these peer-reviewed reports are true, that, and again, the, this most important article uh, that broke uh, in a peer-reviewed uh, discussion, talking about that the, the great nightmare of any a vaccine producer is that instead of getting the protocol they hope they're gonna get, they get just the opposite. And this is the case of what these guys have found in the, in the jabs that are being used today, that they create this syndrome called ADE, which is an autoimmune deficiency syndrome, similar to AIDS, except it's more aggressive. 
And this ADE is present in every person who takes the jab. And so the question is, can you detox from that? That's one question. But if you can't detox from it, this, the, the number we talked about last night of people that have accepted the snake bite is right around 4 billion people. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute and what this, and in the United States, it's about 140 million now. So what does this look like if in six months or a year or in two years that there's suddenly 140 million fewer Americans? What does this look like? Well, right now, you know, you know we, we all know the supply chain is broken, right? Just go down and drive by the auto dealerships and you'll see what kind of supply chain broken there, brokenness there is. Or go into the supermarket and count the, count the empty shelves, right? There's a lot of stuff that's going on and that's going to get, it's going to become much more acute because soon and very soon we will be at war with China. And because you cannot, China is asserting itself for supremacy in the world. And we're trying to hold on to our arrogant position as battle on the great. Scripture, I think, tells us that that mystery Babylon will be destroyed in a single hour. And I think that is also coming. But if you look, if, if you were just, let's take this scenario in the United States, every other person that you see before you right now could be gone. Every other person, one and two. And if that's the case, suddenly your, your town, your city is half as populated as it is today. Now there's not gonna be any supply shortage at that point because there's going to be abandoned cars everywhere. There's gonna be abandoned houses everywhere. There's gonna be empty schools everywhere. Uh, and it's going to be, and then, and then of course the situation is going to be, people are going to come to you and they're going to say, well, all of our leadership is no longer living because all of our leadership believed the sorcerers and all of our leadership took the snake bite. So what do we do now? And that's going to be the big question. What do we do now? And this is what I was mentioning, I think on Thursday night, is that now we have a duty to teach righteousness. You see, now America is never going to be normal again. In fact, neither is any other place on earth going to be normal. There is no normal. There was no normal then. There is no normal now. And there will be no normal in the future. The future is going to be what it is. And when we get to that future, what do we see? We have a chance as people in this testing to come back and say, let us build, let us become a people of righteousness. Let us become tzedakah. Let us become a people of the way, the truth, and the life. Let us seek after Yah and let us bless his name, not to rebuild the owl city that we call Washington, D.C., with the penis of Nimrod and the womb of Ishtar and the pentagram sitting over the White House. Not this city. We're not going to build that city. We're going to build a new city, a city that praises Yah. We're going to build new Jerusalem. We're going to build a temple. We're going to ask Yah to place his name here. Now, when you're talking about taking care of the children and taking care of the widows and taking care of everybody who's left, 
Yeah, it's going to be a situation that's going to be very, very difficult. And what I'm going to say to you is this. We're called to these duties, you know, the five duties that are before us. And when we're called to those duties, we need to do things that to deal with the people who are in front of us. Deal with the people who are in front of you. Deal with that. And be your, be, be your best to be a human being to others around you. Do your best to be a human being to others around you, right? To those who come in front of you. Be your best to be a human being. You know, the, um, you know there's uh, the, this movie, The Russia House. And Sean Connery in that, in that thing, he pledges to this Russian author. Okay, I pledge to you that if you did this and you wrote this book, that I would be a decent human being. That's what he said to him. I would be a decent human being. And this is what we need to do, right? You can't rescue the whole world, but you can deal with those things that are in front of you. And when it comes to the children, and when it comes to all of this, I mean, you know, your cities aren't going to function. You know, and, and I can tell you, by the time this is said and done, the breath of his coming is going to completely extinguish the digital world. The digital world is going to disappear. AI is going to be defeated. The digital world is going to disappear. And we're going to be thrust back into, now some people say we're going to be thrust back into the 1900s, maybe. But we're going to be thrust back into a world that for some of us that are older, we remember that world. We remember a pre-digital world. We remember an analog world. We remember where, you know, bookkeeping had to be done by hand. You know, that cash registers were manual, you know. You know that you had to calculate. You had to remember all your friends' phone numbers. Remember that? You know? And, you know, there, the, the thing is, is that we know that there is a methodology by which we can live. It's a simple methodology. We're ignorant in terms of practices like what are good farming practices? What are good agricultural practices? What are good sustaining practices? What are good infrastructure practices? How do we rebuild? We've lost so much since 9-11 since we decided to become a holy terror to the whole world as the hammer of the world, we've lost so much. We used to know how to make steel. We used to know how to make rubber. We used to know how to make televisions. We used to know how to make this. and make, We used to make our own electronic transform, transformers. We used to do a lot of stuff. Now, we can't get Fords or Chevys into the country because the Chinese microprocessors aren't available to us. Right? Yep, very good. Yeah, and so, yeah, so this is what we're going to have to do, Josh. I mean, you're right. It is, it is, uh, it's a lion's share. And, you know, and like where Chris was saying here earlier, like Jessica, too, who suffered through, who's come through this variant, having suffered the disease itself. These are people that are going to be very strong in this upcoming thing because they already have this very powerful immunity, an immunity that's not available to those who have taken the jab, an immunity that's not available to those of us who have not suffered the sickness. Okay. And so there's going to be some people that are going to be very strong and who are going to be capable of walking through the fire as we get into more and more of this stuff. And there's even discussion now. They don't know. I mean, Dr. Bosch has said this Lambda variant, it's just one of many. There's variants that are going to be much more difficult than that one coming because non-doctors like Bill Gates have demanded that everybody accept this snake bite. It's a protocol that's unheard of. 
because you don't vaccinate the whole world. And particularly with, with, a, with, a, with a, a novel virus like this, because what takes place is you're going to do nothing except create uh, mutant pathogens that are, are totally vax resistant. That's what's going on right now. And so, and in addition to that, when you take the people who have taken the vax, they have this ADE, which means their autoimmune system is already compromised. When that new variant arrives, they've got nothing with which to fight it. Nothing. You see? Yeah. Very so. Yeah. Very, very sound advice. Thank you, Dr. P. Thanks, Josh. Really appreciate it. Shelly, how are you? Good, Dr. P. Good to see you and everybody else. Wow, what an incredible discussion going on today. Um, I, I have two questions and they're, they're related. They're about research. I just wanted to say one thing about what Chris was sharing. And, um, you know, he, he said one thing about, you know, suffering. And I've shared just a little bit about what happened to me in 2014. I got a double poisoning. I got a mycotoxin poisoning and a, a bite from a brown recluse spider bite. Yikes. And then got hit with Epstein-Barr. So I had like a triple hit. And it has, it changed me. I'm still changed from it. And um, it gave me something called Sears, which is a chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And so most of the time, um, like I had a really good week this week because I only had to stay in bed two days. And that's so normal for me, two to four days, I'm down, you know? And people look at me and go, well, you don't look sick. And I don't take pharmaceuticals. I don't do the sorcery. I, I use all natural things and it's kept me alive. But um, one of the things what I wanted to comment on was about suffering. You know, when it first began, the suffering was so intense. I couldn't understand because I went from being a fitness instructor to being in bed all the time and it just rocked my world. And, um, and it rocked my relationship with the with Yahuwah and I had so many questions as to why, you know, but what I've noticed about it all is that the, the biggest thing is the suffering that he took on to take on humanity. It took great suffering. He took great suffering upon himself, you know, and, and it connected him with us in a way that we know that when we suffer, we know that he cares for us, you know? And so as I suffer and I choose in my thoughts to say, I will glorify you no matter what. I will love you no matter what. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't have to understand it in order to still praise your name. And what I do when I do that is it allows me to take his nature onto me. I mean, it's all what's going on right here. And this is the most important thing because that'll affect what goes on right here and how I choose to think. So my question was, I only had one when I started. Now I had two when we started talking about Gamatria, but I want to go with my first question is this is it. Like, can you see this? Mm -hmm. This is the word Debar. And so I was looking and, you know, this word Debar in the Hebrew, it's, you know, in, in Genesis 15, 1, it says, after these things, the word, and that word is debar. And then you've got down in Exodus 5, 3, um, 
lest he fall upon us with pestilence or the sword. And that word pestilence is debar. I don't understand how, you know, except for the, they both still have the same exact root. And I don't understand how both of those words, if you got rid of all that nakud and all those vowel pointings and all the extra stuff, you're still dealing with the same three letters, right? I don't understand that. Yeah, well, you know, again, this is what you see when you when you see these generous interpretations, right? Because you'll have somebody look at it and say, well, the context here is blah, 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 blah. Therefore, it must mean pestilence, right? Uh, and and what you what, what is actually going on there is that, let's see if I can show you the reasoning here, that, that this will come upon you and the pestilence, which is the word debar. And so what you're saying is, is some portion of the word is going to come upon you. Well, what portion of the word? Well, Devarim, Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse 15, is the curses. And so the word, the, the curses of Deuteronomy 28, 15 and forward, those words are going to come upon you. And then of those words, well, we're going to pick out one. So well, let's pick out pestilence and use that. This is the thinking of the English translators, you see? And because they don't want to tell you, because when you have Hebrew, Hebrew doesn't translate into one word. Sometimes Hebrew translates into a huge concept that you're not going to be able to even construct in one or even two sentences, right? And to try to construct it, so you got you have guys making these decisions. Well, let's just reduce it to this, or let's reduce it to that, and we'll use that word instead of using what's there. And you, now you often see, I mean, this is one of the problems with, with the... Um, this is one of the problems with the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text is telling you their opinion of what's being said. And so they'll take a word that is spelled the same, like Adam, Edom, and Adom, or Adum, and then they're going to turn around and say, well, that means different stuff because we put different vowel pointers in it. Well, where'd you get the different vowel pointers? Well, the rabbis told us that this was how it was pronounced. <clears throat> how did they know? Well, it's done by tradition. And how is the tradition maintained? <clears throat> I mean, who maintained it during the 70 years of captivity in Babylon? Can you point out to their names, what their names were? You can't, because Ezra couldn't find them. When he came back to Jerusalem, he couldn't find them. He couldn't find Levite priests. And everybody he did find was intermarried. So let us call out, let's call out this tradition. What tradition? Who told you that this tradition was maintained? Who maintained it in the first century? Who maintained it in the fifth century? Who maintained it in the seventh century? All of a sudden, the Masoretes appear in the eighth century. Oh, this has been maintained by the rabbis during all this period of time. And then it suddenly is influenced with Yiddish. Right? It suddenly fitted with Yiddish. And by the way, when you talk about Yid Adonai, right? The Yiddish Lord, Yid Adonai, Yidonai is the word in Hebrew. That's translated in English as wizard. Wizard. Wow. You know, if you look up wizard, you're going to find the word Yidadonai. Yidadonai. The Lord of Yiddish. Wow. Wizard. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, we get a little bit of new information on the table. So, you know, I can't say that scripture is well explored. Shelley, I can't say that it's well explored. 
And particularly when, if we, if we do arrive at a paleo version of all of scripture, which I'm hoping we are, we are going to arrive at that. Wow, when we arrive that? at a paleo version of this scripture, we're going to be able to look and we're going to try to get some different, like, let me give you, let me give you, there's a whole bunch of things. Okay. The word Anki, right. Which is Aleph Nun Kaf Yod. Now in the, the Masoretes will tell you, it's not Anki, it's Anoki. We added a holam. We added the dot. There's a vav in there that doesn't appear in the word, but we're going to put it in there, and we're going to we're going to use the word anoki, and this is the word I am. So when you say ani, which you get in Hebrew, ani, that means I'm, right? An, anki, I am. Ani, I'm. It's the contraction. I'm. Okay. But when you say anki, now all of a sudden you see the Sumerian record has been lying to you, telling, oh, Anki is the good God. Yah is the bad God. Anki is the good God. And then Enlil, El, Enlil is this, you know, spirit, this spirit, this ghost-like figure, right? Well, we know that the Enlil was misspelled, and it's actually El-Al, which means the Ruach HaKodesh. And it only appears once in the Tanakh. It appears in Hosea, El-Al. But the, the, the Hebrews know it, the Jews know it, that's why they named their airline after it, El Al, right? They knew it, they knew it existed there, but which English text pointed out to you El Al? None of them, none of them did. And so Zechariah Sitchins comes rolling in with Enlil, the good God, Anki, the good God. Anki appears in scripture 12 times in the Tanakh. This Aleph Nun Kaf Yod, Anki. And this Anki is I am. So when you look at Exodus 20, verse 2, I am Yahweh, your Elohim, the phrase there reads in Hebrew, Anki Yahweh Eloheken. That's how it reads. Okay, well, what about the phrase where Cain says, how do I know? Am I my brother's keeper? Remember, remember that passage? Am I my brother's keeper? That's not what he's saying there at all. He's saying, let Anki take care of him. Oh. Wow, very interesting. My second yeah. was but, on... But hold, on, but hold on, Shelly, hold on. When you look at the idea that Esau is Edom, right? Esau is Edom. This is what you're told. So you're thinking, oh, those ugly Edomites, those guys, the guys that were hanging out at Mount Sire, the Edomites, that little tribe over there that were problems. That's not what's going there on there at all. The word Aleph Dalet Mem, Adam, right? So when you see Adam, Aleph Dalet Mem, you technically, and the way we write it in the Sefer is we write an apostrophe after the A. Why do we write an apostrophe after the A? Because it is talking about the blood of the Aleph. Adam, the blood of the Aleph. That's why there's an apostrophe after the A. That's why Havel is spelled He. You know, H, apostrophe, A-V-E-L. Why? Because it means the lamentation. It means the lamentation. Adam, the divine blood, the blood of the Aleph. But when you see Aleph, Dalet, Mem, when it appears as Edom, it isn't really Edom. No, it's Adam, just the same as the name Adam is Adam, just the same as the color red is Adam. Why? Because when Esau is said that Esau is Edom, what they're telling you is, is that Esau is no longer of the chosen house of Yasharel, 
but Esau is out. He's part of Adam. He's generally mankind. He's not within the chosen. He's outside the chosen. He's over there in mankind because Adam means what? Mankind, mankind, you see? And so this is why when you, when you start putting Masoretic pointers in here, oh, we're going to distinguish. Let's put some pointers here, right? We'll put, we'll put a pointer here, and that word becomes a different word. Why? We created a vowel. We created an extra consonant. We put a dagash in there. We got an extra continent, consonant there. We put a vowel sign in there. We got an extra vowel sign. So when you see the word Yahusha, the true name for Joshua, right? yod Hey vav shin ayin Oh, no, that's not pronounced Yahusha because we put a vowel sound in there. See, I just went ahead and put this Zurich right in there, right there next to the shin. Now it's Yahushua. See, we were, and, and who put the shoe, who put the shoe in Shua? We did. We put the dot right there. See, now it doesn't say what you thought it said because why? I added a vowel. So you see 187 times that. Joshua is referred to as Yahusha. There's no Shua on the end. And then, oh, the Masorites come along. Oh, that name don't exist no more. Well, why would you change that name? Why would you, why would you change that name? Wow. You know why you would change that name? Because yeah. you want to obfuscate the fact that Mashiach, who was named after Joshua, you want to obfuscate his name. Why? Then you can't see his name in Zechariah 3. How many Christian pastors have taught you that Zechariah 3 is a prophecy and a forecasting of the Messiah? Only you, Dr. P. <laughs> Has anybody heard it taught in a Christian church that Zechariah 3 is the forecasting of the Messiah? No. I'm just asking. But he was, but he's but he's told what? He appears in filthy rags. He says, here, you're in filthy rags, but now I'm going to take these rags from you, put on a white turban, put on clean linen, and then you will come to judge the living and the dead, and you will go from being a brand plucked out of the fire to being the branch, right? And the branch in Hebrew is what? Netzer. Netzer. That's branch. And so if you have a city that's named after branches, it would be Netzer Rot, that we in the English say Nazareth. Why? Because if we give it an English name, you can't ever find out its true meaning, right? But the city's real name, Netzarot, which means branches. And so those who are from Netzarot are called a Netzari. Just like if you're from Yehud, you're called a Yehudi. If you're from Netzarot, you're called Netzari. Oh, okay, Netzari. So now, not Yahushua or Yehoshua, but Yahusha ha Netzari from Nazareth, right? Yahusha from Nazareth. Yeah, like if you were to say Pierre uh, the Parisian, right? If Pierre was from Paris, you'd say Pierre the Parisian. If you were talking about, if you were talking about Lycus uh, from Rome, you might say Lycus the Roman, right? Uh, right. De Blasio the New Yorker, <laughs> right? And it's the same thing you would say here. So Yahusha, the Netzari. Well, what were they also saying? Yausha, the branch. You see, Yausha, the branch. When you see what Pilate put on the sign, Yausha, the branch, he's telling you that's Zechariah 3, right there. Yausha, the branch, right? Vemelech and King Hayahudim. Yod, hey, 
Bob Hay. You see, you see why what? that what, what Pilot put on what Pilot put up there. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. Think about Pilot for a minute. You know, the United States is now losing the war in Afghanistan. Right. Shamefully. Just as we lost the war in Vietnam, they're putting helicopters on top of the embassy to get embassy personnel out of, out of Afghanistan while we abandon a trillion dollars worth of, you know, of, of, of weapons. We abandon a trillion dollars worth of weapons. You know, we abandon all those who died in Afghanistan and we're turning it over to the Taliban. Taliban, yeah. You know, there you go. Sorry. And then all of those who are loyal to the United States are going to be summarily slaughtered. That's one of the blessings of being loyal to the United States, that when you're a foreign country loyal to the United States, we abandon you to be slaughtered by your enemies. After we fruitlessly spend a trillion dollars doing nothing. Right. Right. When you think about Iraq, when George Bush went into Iraq, right, we go in there. We're going to accomplish this right now. I'm talking about W, not HW. We're going to accomplish this right now. We're going to go in there and we're going to do all that. I forget what he called it. Shock and off. The wear on terror. Shock and off. Shock and we're going to go in there with shock and off, which means what? Oh, we bomb civilians. Right. And so we go in there with shock and off. And then what? Then what did, um, who was the guy running? Uh, Rumsfeld, running the Pentagon. What did he say after that? Well, we don't have the slightest idea what to do now. <laughs> You know, now that we finished that, we don't have the slightest idea what to do. Well, the Romans had an idea what to do. Send in a governor. You go send in this guy and have him go in there and just make the decisions to run the place. So they sent in Pontius Pilate, right? Send in Pontius Pilate. You just go in there and be Caesar, and then you just run the place. You run it by your edicts, Roman law, do this, do that, the other thing. Pontius Pilate did what he could, but think about it. Suppose you're Pontius Pilate for just a moment. And you've been commanded, you know, George Bush goes in and invades Iraq, and then he's going to send Shelly in there. Now, Shelly, you go in there and run the place. I'm giving you complete control. You go in there and be Caesar. You go in there and be king. You go in there and run Iraq, right? <laughs> just put yourself in that shoe. Just try to put yourself in that place for a second. And so you get into Baghdad, and you're like, okay, I'm king, right? So what's the first thing you do? You build up a you know, fortress around yourself so nobody can assassinate you. Right. And then you start making decisions. Okay, we got to make the decisions. And then all of a sudden, the Sunni Muslims show up. This guy's claiming to be the Mahdi. And we need to behead him. And this is your conundrum, right? This is the conundrum that appears to you right off the bat. Well, wait a minute. I was thought here was make to, I was going to make decisions about whether or not elementary schools were going to open, whether or not we were going to have fresh water, whether or not new toilets were going to be put in. You know, what's this? Well, this is what's going on now. This guy's claiming to be the Mahdi. He needs to be beheaded. Right? And Pilate's like, hey, this isn't even my law. This isn't even my gig. I wash my hands. Right? <laughs> and he did. He washed his hands. But you know what the, the, the gospel of uh, Pontius Pilate says? You know, the gospel of Nicodemus. And what Acts 29 says, and what the historical record says, is that Pontius Pilate, when he came out of Judea and went back to Rome, went up to Switzerland and jumped off the face of a mountain and committed suicide. And that mountain, and everybody in Switzerland knows where that mountain is. They know where it happened. They know where he did it, right? Everybody in Switzerland knows where that mountain is. Pontius Pilate did, in fact, commit suicide, right? 
So not a gift to be running Iraq. No. Right? <laughs> but I just wanted to, you know, so this is why I'm saying to you, Shelly, when you talk about the bar, when you talk about, you know, uh, like, for instance, the word bara, which means mm -hmm. to create, right? Bara only refers to the work of Yahweh. It doesn't refer to the work of any other man. Right there, right? Well, hold it up. Let me see. Oh, what's this? No, it, you say bara. I don't see bara in there. Bara. Right here. Uh, bet, Reish, Aleph. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that looked like a cough. I'm sorry. Okay. Bara okay. Elohim. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about this, the word bara, this is the source of the word barak, right? So you have this idea of the of this, uh, you know, cough at the end of the word, which is creating a certain kind of verb, and it's creating a certain kind of verb in a certain way. So baraka, baraka, right? Barak. So this idea of barak is blessing, right? And then, of course, with the Masoretic moving around of the sounds, depending on the first, second, or third person, Barak becomes Baruch, Baruch, Barak, Baruch. But what does it say in, in Job? His wife says to him, curse God and die. Remember? But the mm -hmm. word there is Barak, Barak. You see? Because somebody told us this is the word we're going to use. You see? And that's why I'm telling you. When you're asking great questions about the Ivrit. And when we come to understand the Ivrit, you know you're oh, you're cracking open an onion and you've got to peel. And when you find certain words like that, you're going to have to peel six or seven layers to see what's actually there. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep peeling. My second question was on Gamatria because we brought it up. You know the the story in John 21, uh, Yeshua appears back to his disciples and they catch 153 fish. Well, you know, that made me curious, and I had Bullinger's book on um, numbers and scripture, and so when I looked that up, what I saw was, you know, that equaled Beneha Elohim. Is this the, the, the practice of Gematria? What, what is Bullinger's work on numbers and scriptures? Is this something? Well, you know, E.W. Bullinger, look, I really like E.W. Bullinger. I really do, and I have a number of his works, and I think his writing is, is very good. I mean, I've got the Companion Bible. And I disagree with some of his conclusions, but at least he read it, you know. And so E.W. E. Bullinger is a good source and a good teacher. But I can tell you, when you talk about the gematria of it all, one of the mysteries is found in Mark 8, right? And I love this passage in Mark 8 because I like to talk to Christian pastors who are New Testament church only. And I tell them, well, you're New Testament only? Oh, yeah, we don't need the Old Testament. We're New Testament only. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Let's take Mark 8. Mashiach says, don't you remember? We took five fish and we fed 5,000 and you picked up 12 baskets and we took uh, seven loaves and we fed 4,000 and you picked up seven baskets. What part of that don't you understand? And the Christian pastors will come back and say, well, that just shows you that there was plenty of food once he blessed it, that a miracle happened and everybody got fed. Well, then why didn't he say we took some fish, fed a bunch of people and then picked up basket loads full of food after it was over? Why right. does it say five fish? Why does it say 12 baskets? Why does it say seven loaves? Why does it say that? Right. That's not gematria, though. That's not gematria, even though there's an algorithm that is present in scripture, you know, one, two, three, seven, 10, 12, 22. 
This is an algorithm that appears in scripture. These are all very, very important numbers. But the gematria side of it, oh, gee, let's talk about the gematria of yod Babi and how that compares to the gematria of the blah, blah, blah. The finance, you know, you, you want to get into gematria, do it, do it, do it on your own time. I'm not going to call it evil, but from my point of view, it doesn't lead to anything in particular. And it can, in fact, lead you right into schizophrenia if you're not careful. Far better to understand the tedusha, the pictograph of a word. Understand the tedusha, the pictograph of a word, so you can understand the ivrit. Then if you can understand the ivrit, you're going to find life is going to be much more pleasant. Okay, Shelly? That was wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Shelly. Okay, Kobe, how are you, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Hey, shalom, everyone. Um, so I'm gonna make this quick because there's like nine other people trying to see you, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna keep everyone. But um, so I'm trying to go pre med and then become a doctor in functional medicine because yeah, I see a lot of stuff like my dad recovering from cancer and and certain things like chronic fatigue syndrome, which I personally have sometimes. Um, that's why I don't always come on and show my face. I'm super wiped. Um, and, you know, I've gone to neurologists and stuff like that. They tell me everything is perfectly fine. But um, and the same thing happened to this doctor. It turns out he had mercury poisoning. And once they got rid of the, the metal, uh, the chronic fatigue went away. So I want to do that stuff. I'm just kind of concerned. I checked. I did my my research on the law because uh, I know we talked on the email for school. You can get a religious exemption. Um, in order to still go to school without uh, getting the vaccine. Um, but like to be a doctor, I was curious, um, and you being a doctor, would I, like you think in the future, they're gonna try to literally be like, you have to be a doctor or you can't practice at all anywhere? Well, I mean, I'll tell you what I think is gonna happen right now. There are a number of people who are giving up their professional licenses right now. Like Dr. Mirkula is giving up his professional license because the state has become Babylon. The state is completely corrupt. It used to be that the state would license people to license out people who didn't know what they were doing from people that didn't know what they were doing, right? That's why you would have a licensing function. Like, uh, you know, in, in Washington, they, they went into this licensing heyday. We're going to license everything. Well, technically, under the Constitution, you really can't do that because you have the freedom to make a living with whatever it is that you're supposed to do. And if you have freedom, you can't license it. The only thing that is licensed is that which is made illegal. So to require a medical license means that they have to criminalize the practice of medicine without one, which they do. In every state, if you practice medicine without a medical license, you're engaged in a criminal act. Now, <clears throat> of course, what, what constitutes medicine is another story. I suppose writing prescriptions maybe, but in, in, the, in this convulsion that we're in right now, none of this is going to survive. None of this will survive. Uh, the, the licensing protocol is going to go away because the currency is going to go away. When the currency goes away, the power of the state goes away. When the power of the state goes away, the authority of the state goes away. When you can't pay your government employees, there, nobody shows up for work. It's that simple. When you can't pay, nobody shows up for work. If you look at the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1992, that's what happened. It collapsed and nobody showed up. And so they had nothing. And so then when they started from scratch, I mean, Russia started from scratch, bare scratch, where they had no food, they had no currency, they had no government, they had no economy, they had no nothing. 
And so you could license this guy, license that guy, license the other guy, made no difference. By starting from scratch, by the time you get to the year 2000, the year 2002, 10 years later, it's an entirely different protocol, an entirely different system that emerged. And it'll be the same here. Now, depending on what kind of medicine you want to practice, I mean, you got a long haul ahead of you. You know, you got all the school. Yeah, it was going to be functioning, functional medicine, internal medicine. Yeah, internal medicine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a great study. And of course, you know, trying to keep your mind open to it, right? Keep your mind open to it. In other words, you have to listen to what they say. What they say. And but so much of medical school right now is regurgitate what we tell you, and then doctors get out and they practice pharmacia. I mean, they don't they don't solve the problem of, of right. the patient. They treat the symptom and they treat it with right. Pain, right. And but when you're called to be in the medical school, you're going to be called to think, 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 and defend, defend, defend. You know, and you know when if you if you become a brilliant practitioner. The more independent you are, the more isolated you're going to become. But yeah, this is I, a I heard. Field, but this is a field that you desire. This is a place where you want to go. Well, if Yah has opened the door to you, then pursue that path. But I can tell you, whatever your expectation is of what normal is right now, that ain't going to be normal by the time you're done with med school. That won't be the case. Yeah, because I'm I'm 25 pre med. That's that's like four years, and then med school. That's going to be a minute. So things are going to change. I feel like by the time, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be, I, I personally believe, this is what's in my heart. I think we're in a period of trouble and the period of trouble is going to continue until April of 2024. And in April of 2024, salvation is going to be, you know, the mark of the top is going to be placed over America. But Babylon will not be here. Babylon will not be present in America by 2024. It will be gone. And the people that are left behind are going to have to make a new life. We're going to have to make a new life. We're going to have to build a new country. We're going to have to build a new social order. And what I'm saying to you is that many of the people who corrupted, many of those who are living in Babylon, living high on the hog in Babylon, won't be with us then. And when they're not here with us, we're going to have to look at the world and go, how are we going to build this world? And we need to build it with righteousness. We need to build it with an eye of righteousness. I may not be here when that happens. You're almost certainly going to be here, Kobe. And when that happens, you know, we have to build a world of righteousness. And that means you know, we're learning some lessons right now. You can't trust these authorities. You cannot trust your government. You can't trust your media. You can't trust your medical profession. You can't trust the people that have been entrusted with the public trust to take care of our health are the ones who paid for gain of function. Gain of function, animal, exactly. To make an animal virus an animal virus among human beings. The people, the very people that we entrusted with our health. What's his, his name is Dasik or something? He's one of them. Yep, he's one of them. And of course, the other one is, you know, Dr. Quack Quack. Yep. You know. and, I know you know, yeah, you know, and I mean, it came right through Chapel Hill where they started this gain of function research. Then they, when, they, when they started achieving something, they moved it to Fort Detrick. When they got to Fort Detrick, the federal government outlawed it and said, you can't do gain of function research in the United States. It's illegal. So then they took American tax dollars, 314 million of them, and funded Wuhan lab in China yeah. to develop gain and function on this. Then after they obtained gain of function, they imported it in, into the United States in order to make sure that the pharmaceutical companies would sell billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of the snake bite. With yeah. little care, have, has, have you heard anybody from any one of those pharmaceutical companies come out and express, express any 
iota of regret over the 12,445 12, deaths that are current listed on the bear site? Have you heard any of that money? That money is the root of evil. It's too good for them. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. How about the how about the 400,000 plus that are injured, according to bears? Has anybody come out and expressed sympathy for them? Not one word. Not one yeah, I'm, word. I'm going to let you keep talking. I know there's so many people. I just want to say thank you very much for that. And um, also, um, can you pray for my uh, my neighbors, uh, the Sherrard family? Um, their daughter uh, I grew up with uh, behind my house just uh, committed suicide um, oh, no. about a week ago. How old so was she? Is, she was my age, 25, 24, 25, 26. So um, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kobe. Uh, my heart is broken again. Rebecca, go ahead. Hi. Um, I just want to thank everyone who, with their questions and their comments, and for your answers, Dr. P, because I literally learned so much, so much stuff. I'm so grateful, so blessed. Um, the first question I have is you had talked about hell and how most people think there's just that one place of hell where you're in the fire. But you talked about that other place, that other thing about being out there. And yeah. where, where is that in the word? Where it's does it discussed say in the book of Enoch. It's discussed Enoch. in the book of Enoch, yeah. And the book of, okay. I mean, Enoch is, you know, cryptic reading. It's hard to read. Uh, and But in the first section of Hanok, um, you're going to see all this discussion about places, various places where various people go. And there's also discussion in the Apocalypse of Peter, which appears to be based a little bit on Enoch, what was being delivered in Enoch. But you're going to see that there is, uh, you know, there is, uh, and also don't forget to read Fourth uh, Ezra, Chapter seven, chapter seven, beginning beginning in verse fifty-five, I believe it is, verse fifty-five, and uh, you know these are alarming passages, right? And the thing is, is I'm not saying that you're necessarily cast into outer darkness, but there is discussion of the outer darkness in the gospel that, that they're going to be cast into outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that that's also found in the mm -hmm. gospel. So, you know, you, you, you see that there is, you know, it, it's not just, you know, and of course, I've been ta talking lately, man, the flames of hell are licking high right now. I mean, you know, you got an inferno going on down there right now, and there are many people that are destined for that location. And uh, and they, they, they scream with arrogance about how others should die. <clears throat> and they have no idea. I mean, when you're, when you're calling for the death of people and the gassing of people and the shooting of people and the extermination of people. Does it occur to you that maybe you're in your heart, you're committing murder? I mean, does that occur to anybody? You know, you know, it should. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, people are willing to kill. But, yeah, that's where it is. Do you have another question, Rebecca? Um, just I missed what you said. Somebody had the question about what's going to be happening soon. Maybe just one or two people back. And I missed the beginning of that. You said, OK, I think this is what's going to happen. Um, I miss well, well, this is what's going on. I mean, you know, France passed a, a vaccine passport. Um, the Secretary of Defense has mandated vaccines for the military. Um, San Francisco has required uh, the vax or you cannot go into any public space. Washington State has demanded that all state employees be vaxxed by the 15th or they're fired. The teachers union has come out and said all teachers must be vaxxed. Right. Um, the uh, Italy has imposed the vaccine passport, but Italians 
who have been vaxxed are burning their vaccine passport in solidarity with those who have not been vaxxed because they want freedom more than they want this ridiculous vaccine passport. Um, the, um, there's international travel. The, um, uh, what has been talked about now is that you will not be able to travel um, at all domestically or internationally without proof of the vax. And that's probably three and a half weeks away, three and a half weeks away. So if you're gonna travel, you need to travel now because if you don't, you're not gonna be able to travel unless you're vaxxed. And that's about three and a half weeks out. <clears throat> the airlines were requiring all pilots to be vaxxed, but a group of pilots and flight attendants walked off boarded flights, fully boarded flights. They walked off and said, we're not, we're not doing that, we're done. And when that happened, Delta, Southwest, and American said, no vaccine mandate for the crew of the, of the aircraft. Because Delta, of course, had four pilots die suddenly. And they were dying from heart attacks because of the blood clotting that's experienced from the vax. And so they said, no, mandate, no mandated vax for the crew. Now, United Airlines is still saying mandated vax for, for everybody, all the pilots and crew. And as a result, all those pilots are all quitting and they're going over to Delta to work and they're going over to Southwest and they're going over to America to work. That's what's going on. <clears throat> so anybody who has a brain knows that if you, if all the stores are saying you can't come in here without proof of vax, the one store that says we'll take people who don't have, aren't vaccinated, guess what? They're going to get 50% of all the business. They're going to get, it's just that simple. And it's just, it's simple arithmetic. And but no one cares at the hierarchy in the genocide hierarchy because they're, they're not interested in qualified people. They're interested in only those who are vaxxed or masked, period. We don't care what your skill set is. We don't care what you know. We don't care what you're capable of. You just need to be vaxxed or masked. And those people who were here with major skill sets were doing the job. You're fired if you don't do it. And so the skilled people are leaving. And so what you're expecting for quality service, like when you go into a hospital, or when you go into uh, you go into some place where there's or you go into an auto mechanic shop, or you go into some place where there is a real high level of expertise, you're not getting the expertise because the only people that are working there are people that are vaxxed in masks. The skilled have gone; they've left. Mm -hmm. So guess what's going to happen? You're going to see you're going to see aircraft fall out of the sky. You're going to see trains derail. You're going to see medical malpractice at an unprecedented level. You're going to see all kinds of stuff happening because nobody cares about the skill set. They're only interested in the compliance, okay? So anyway, all right, I don't know where I was going. I forgot your question now. <laughs> <laughs> you had said something about, you, you mentioned a year. I don't know if it was 2022. Oh, 2024. I said by April, 2024. It, oh, okay. it was a sign in heaven that began all this in September 23rd, 2017. And there's going to be another set of signs that are gonna take place in 2024. There's going to be two solar. There's going to be two solar eclipses that are going to cross America, creating both the sign of the Talaf and the Aleph in Paleo Hebrew. So the Aleph Tav is going to be set forth over the United States by 2024. And so all of this trouble time that we're in right now, it's going to keep going. It's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then when we get to April of 2024, this is going to have ended. And when it ends in April of 2024 blessing and salvation and the hand of mercy and the name of Yah is going to be placed over North America. And then we're going to be at peace. And then we are going to be able to rebuild a society. And when we rebuild that society, we need to rebuild it with righteousness. 
Don't think about going back to the secular constitution or we want to make America great again. You know, make America great again, Trump signal and, and Biden's build back better. All of that is the curse out of Isaiah 9-11. All of it. Obama said it and cursed us. George Bush said it and cursed us. And now Trump said it and cursed us. And Biden has stained it. And it's a, it's a continuation of the curse. Read Isaiah 9-11. Let's see. Okay. Thanks, Rebecca. That, did that you. answer it for you? Um, sure. Um, but except I, so what about the when China is going to come over here? When is that all going to happen? Well, I can't give you the exact date. All I can tell you is, is that uh, Taiwan it, is preparing for war. China is preparing for war. Japan is preparing for war. Korea is preparing for war. The British have got ships in the South China Sea. The French have ships in the Philippines. The Philippines are preparing for war. We're preparing for war. I mean, it's all, everything's on a military footing right now. I, mean, I think gotcha. we're at DEFCON 3. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay? Gotcha. Thank Could you. happen anytime. All right. All right. So let's go to, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Zach and Natalie. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Uh, so you were talking about the 10 Devarim and the five duties earlier. And I was just curious uh, what the five duties you're referring to are and where you found them. Oh, okay. The five duties are found in the Gospels. And they're found where Mashiach is talking and it says, you know, when you have done this to the least of them, you have done these also to me. And it's also found in Isaiah 53 when he's talking about what is a true fast. And so in Isaiah 53, you're talking about, he says, you know, he gives you a little bit more parameter in Isaiah 53. He says, you know, uh, you know, that you take in the hungry and basically the five duties are feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, take care of the widow and the orphan. Those are the five duties. And as Paul says, this is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable service. Mashiach says, when you have fed the hungry, you have fed me. When you have clothed the naked, you have clothed me. When you have visited those in prison, you have visited me. And so, so this is the teaching. And it's actually taught several times in the Gospels. And, and like I said, it also appears in Isaiah 53. And I don't have the exact citation for you today, Zach. Um, I'll have to put together that exact citation. But when you look at those duties, these duties are, this is what we're called to do. Now, when you look at that duty, it's imposed and it's talked about in the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, they recognized this duty to take care of the widows. But they had to determine who was a true widow and who wasn't a true widow. And so this was something, again, this is scripturally set forth in the book of Acts. What they did, what the elders did, what the bishops did to determine what constituted widowhood you know, as to what, as to what the uh, fellowship is going to do. And of course, when we look out in terms of how to manage fellowships and so forth, you know, you've got, you've got two things. You have the DDK, which some people say called the Didache, the DDK. That's one set of rules for a fellowship. And then you also have the community rules, which came out of Qumran, but I'm not ascribing to any one of those. Neither one of those are scriptural. They don't appear inside the text, inside scripture, but they are recommendations for governance. You know, when you get to the governance that was found in the book of Acts, you find a, a totally failed system, which was communism, that was initially practiced when, you know, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. And that system that they used, the very one, it, when it initially opened up with the disciples governing it, became a complete failure. And guess what happened? People 
had to drop, were dropping dead for the failure to perform their communist duty. And so what you see is that uh, the, the, the idea of communism does have a scriptural base. It's found in Acts 3 and Acts 4, and et cetera. However, it, does, it was not sustained. And in fact, that whole communist ideology that was practiced initially was replaced by what we call the Protestant work ethic that was given to us by Paul. And Paul basically said, you know, those that don't work, don't eat, you know. And, and he taught the idea of teaching people to work with their hands, that they would always have a skill. And he was a tent maker. So he would show up at a place, even though he was teaching and preaching, he was sewing tents and selling those tents wherever he went, right? He was still making tents. He was a tent maker. So his name was Paul Ohel, tent maker, tent maker, a tent worker. See, that's why he called himself Paul. And every and then the Greeks took it, oh, that's Paul, Paulos, you know, with a capital P, Paulos. When, it, when he was telling him, my name is Paul Ohel. I'm the worker. I'm a worker. I'm just a worker bee here. That's what he was telling him. Oh, the great Paulos, you know. And uh, so, uh, you know, again, when you start capitalizing, start capitalizing words, you can end up in big trouble, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, so but, but when you do see those duties, those duties are there and we're called to that. We're called to those duties. And, but you know, Mashiach said, you will, all, you will always have the poor with you, right? You will always have the poor with you. And so we can't just go down to every street corner where the beggars are and give away all your money. You know, those beggars are doing it professionally. They know. I mean, where, where I used to live in Washington, the beggars were, had to pay a commission to work certain street corners, right? They had to pay a commission. Oh, you're going to work this corner? You got to pay a commission to the, to the mob boss here to work this corner. And so they'd be paying off their guys. So you could see them. And then they'd, they'd leave their, their post where they were begging on the corner. And typically they were making about 150 a day. They would then, you know, break into people's houses at night, right? And uh, so, you know, not a good thing at all. And, you know, professional begging is different from people who come into a crisis in their life where they're in need and they're trying to get out, right? And uh, so this is why this is why these duties are, are there. But there are guidelines that are given to us in Scripture, right? There are guidelines that are given, us to, given to us in Scripture. When it, and when it comes to, like, clothing, for instance, clothing the naked, you know, world concern has so many clothes that countries are like kicking them out of the country. It's like, don't come in here with your stuff because we've got all the clothing we need. And, and our, our textile industry has completely collapsed because you guys are dumping all your American clothes here. You know, don't bring your stuff here anymore. There's plenty of clothing to go around for everybody. And people can, you know, there's no reason why people can't have the clothing they want. Go down to Value Village, you know, and spend 10 bucks, right? It's not that big of a deal, right? But when it comes to food, and for the most part in America, there, it, there's been food has been very plentiful. When you get into other countries, food isn't so plentiful. Like when you know, you know, when you're in Greece and there's thirty-five thousand refugees who are sleeping on the sidewalk and they have zero money, well, food becomes an issue. Food becomes an issue. You know, I used to work with the Athens Refugee Center. They had they fed one meal a day to seven hundred and one meal a week rather to seven hundred and fifty people. But there were six other places that did similarly. So, you know, the, at least 750 refugees could go from this place to that place to this place to that place and at least get one meal a day. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's food banks down and everything else, but we're going to see it's going to be more difficult in the near future. 
And so, you know, uh, and, and then the business of giving money to somebody instead of food, Hey man, you got 10 bucks. You know, this guy came up to me and he says, Hey, you got any money? I said, look, I'd give you a quarter, but how do I know you won't spend it on a new suit? And so, <laughs> you know, when you're talking about when uh, I'm not going to give money to a beggar, but when I walked outside of my office and I saw a guy rifling through the trash can looking for something to eat, I said, come on, let's go. I took him over to Subway and bought him lunch, right? I bought, you know, many people lunch, breakfast, dinner off the street, off the street who I could perceive were hungry. Somebody's professionally begging, it's a different story. Okay, that makes sense? Yeah. And no, I'll, and, and, but, but if you take a look, if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that, you know, look at, just look up the phrase, you know, uh, the, the least of them. Look up the phrase, the least of them, and you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it in the Gospels. Okay. All right. Anything else? No, that's great. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, you guys. Blessings to you. You too. Okay. Jackie, how are you? Okay. You, you okay. There we go. <laughs> I'm okay. fine, Dr. Pigeon. There you are. Okay. Uh, so. Oh, I thought it was calling me. Are you Jacqueline too? Yes. Oh. Oh, did you say Jacqueline? Did you say Jackie? Yeah, Jackie. Yeah, you got to hang on, Jacqueline. Just hold on. We'll get there. Okay. okay. So I may have been the only one that didn't get this, but when you were talking about. I believe this is what you said, a believer that was uh, vaccinated, that nothing can pull them from. Uh, well, I'm clinging to that, Jackie. Yahushua. I'm clinging to that. that. Okay, so if if that's true, I mean, if that's what uh, you believe, I'm not saying if that's true. Uh, and I'm sorry, I, I'm, I can't get all of this out correctly, but. If that's the case, then if I were to get vaccinated, I would still uh, not be able to be pulled from Yahusha's hand. Will you kind of pin me into a corner? I'm just, I'm just kidding you, Jackie. <laughs> All right. Well, because well, I'm a little confused about see, that. I mean, hold, and on, I, hold on, hold on. Let's see what scripture says. Let's don't take my opinion. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I read, I just read that scripture yesterday. So. Yeah. Okay. Now just hold on. Hold on. Okay. okay. And he had the power. Okay. Okay. So okay, let me just read this to you from Revelation 13. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. You know, i.e. in this case, I believe it's AI. Whose deadly wound was healed. And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. That's been done in California and other places with, with directed energy weapons. And he deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and 
cause that as many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, if the image of the beast is television and it speaks, a black box in front of you that's speaking, and it is demanding that those who do not worship the propaganda coming off that black beast should be killed. That's what's going on right now. They're demanding it. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might be able to buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay. And that's Revelation 13. Now, what about Revelation 14? And it says here in verse 9, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of Yahweh, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receives the mark of his name. So you have two groups there. You have comma, those who worship the beast in his image, comma, and whosoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patient of the, of the Kodashim. Here are they that guard at the commandments of Yahweh and have the faith of Yahusha. Same thing is said at the end of Revelation 12. Satan is here to make war with those who have the faith of Yahusha and who are keeping the commandments. And it says the same thing here in 14.12. Now, let's take a look and see what Paul has to say about this same thing in 2 Thessalonians 2. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, he tells us, And that Torahless one shall be revealed. This is 2.8. Whom Adonai Yahusha shall consume with the ruach of his mouth and shall, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Just the brightness of his coming is going to terminate this thing. But it's interesting that he used the word brightness because brightness kind of depicts a CME, if you will, a coronal mass ejection that will destroy the lawless one. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, you know, and I have to tell you, it was revealed to me the other day that all of these things in scripture are now present with us, but two things in Revelation are not present with us. The lawless one has not appeared in authority over the earth, and Babylon has not yet been destroyed. Those are the only two things in Revelation that is not already ongoing. And it says what? And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, Yah shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, 
You have a deception that is coming on the world. The deception is coming on the world. Lying signs and wonders after the working of Satan, a deception that is coming on the world. And it is coming on the world and will deceive all of those who do not love the truth. And so what is this deception going to be? And how is it going to be brought? Well, in Revelation, it tells us point blank how it's going to be done. Because it's in Revelation 18, 23. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in you. That is to say that evangelism and the teaching of the light of Yahusha is going to be completely gone from the world. Poof, it's out. And what else? And the voice of the bridegroom, that is to say, the gospel of Yahusha, the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride, that is us who are the bride of Mashiach, shall be heard no more at all in you. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. And then, for by your sorceries were all nations deceived. By your sorceries were all nations deceived. By your pharmakia, all nations were deceived. Now, all the nations of the earth right now are deceived, all of them. And they're deceived by what? Pharmakia. In Rio de Janeiro, on the statue, Cristo Redeemer, the giant statue of Jesus, they hung a sign from arm to arm saying, vaccine saved. Who's the savior? The vaccine. Who's the savior? Pharmakia. Who's the leader? The sorcerer, the sorcerer, what's the deception? The sorcery, the pharmakia, that's the deception. That's what's being given. So if you think that you have permission from me to go out and get a vax, don't ask me. Because I can tell you that if you go out and do it, you know, I can show you video on video. 20-year-old man, 20-year-old, perfect physical condition, sitting in the chair, gets the vax, goes into uncontrollable seizures that have not stopped since. How about the nurse who's going to proclaim the virtues of the vax? She gets the vax. Eight hours later, she drops dead right on stage. How about the woman who got the vax that's been in uncontrollable seizures since the day she got it? How about the 17-year-old that died from a heart attack? The 13-year-old that died from blood clots? Can we pray for them now? No, we can't. Do you know if you get the vax, are you going to be surviving long enough to get out the door of the hospital? There have been people that haven't even gotten out the door of the hospital who dropped dead before they made the front door. The VAERS reporting site, Vaccine Accidental Injury reporting site, reports only 1% because it's a voluntary reporting system. It's currently reporting 12,400 dead from the VAX. That's 1%. Count it up. That's 1.2 million people in this country. And probably a half a million, excuse me, 5 million or more that have been injured. 
80% of the people that are currently in the hospital suffering from COVID were jabbed. 80%. Why? Because they have ADE. So again, the Christian thinking is, I can sin and do what I want and then repent and be forgiven. I can go out there. I can rip off my neighbor and then I'll go to church this Sunday, listen to 45 minutes of sermon and pray. And then I'm forgiven to go rip off my neighbor next week. I can commit adultery with the pastor's wife because guess what? I'm forgiven. Yeah, Dr. P, I just wanted to say that that scripture, you just said that it's I just read it says that people will think that because their punishment is not steadfast, he said, so their heart is filled with evil. Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. And I can I can tell you right now that when you talk about that, when you mention that, Kobe, that passage, this is what goes on. And so this is why blood, the blood of goats and bulls doesn't work. You can sit there and think, you know, you got these guys sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to go rape the 13 year old girl next door. I can get away with it because I got a goat. It's, you know, we're 10 days from Yom Kippur. I got a goat, so I'll just bring my goat down there. And I'm good to go, right? Or if you're a Catholic, I paid for the indulgence. I paid for that. I get to do it. Or if you're just a regular American Christian, I tithe. Therefore, I can. my pastor's going to tell me I'm forgiven every week. Go out there and sin. Go out there and commit rape. Go out and commit murder. Go out and steal. Go out and blaspheme your neighbor. Go tell lies. Go perjure yourself. Go get a divorce. Go do this. Go do that. Do whatever you feel like. Do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt. Because guess what? You're forgiven. And that's not what Yah says. Yah says, don't play this game of doing what you want to do and then asking forgiveness. Obey. Do the right thing. To begin with, don't do the wrong thing. You know, we used to have a saying in music, right? You're going to play a musical performance. What's the key to a good musical performance? Play the right notes. Don't play the wrong notes, right? It's a simple formula. If somebody asks me how to do a performance, play the right notes. Don't play the wrong notes. Well, it's the same thing that God tells us. He says, don't sin. Don't try to find an excuse the way you can sin and then bail yourself out. Don't sin to begin with. Right. And so this is why this why I'm saying to you, Jackie, when it comes to this vax. I want to believe, look, I have loved ones that have taken the vax. I have a friend, too, that's a believer in Yah, and she took the vax. I would never do it. I I was just asking, you know. Well, I but, want to believe that I can pray for them. They're still al- they're still alive. They're still living. I want to pray. for Oh, them. yeah. She and she didn't have a reaction or anything. Yeah, well, maybe she was given sailing. Hopefully she was. <laughs> yeah, but what if I told you that some people were given saline and other people were, have been chosen to die? Or which list are you on? Oh. I don't know. Well, I'm not... You don't know. And that's the point I'm making. You don't know. And this is the thing. When we talk about this, And just because you haven't had a reaction right now, you know, I can tell you that when they look at what's going on, when they, when they test the blood cells of people that have had jab, the blood cells are all the same. The platelets are flat and not only the plates are flat, but you're also getting spike protein in every cell in your body. You're also getting ADA, ADE, according to this peer reviewed piece. And you are highly susceptible because your immune system is compromised. You're highly susceptible to the next virus that comes along. 
And so what happens? The people that are in the hospital being hospitalized with COVID right now, 80% of them are double vaxxed. 80%. That's why I'm saying, you know, you can look at you can look and say, well, that person got vaxxed and they've had no effect whatsoever. Maybe they were given saline. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. And so and so let's have a random, let's have a random death circuit. But now they know because now you go in and you have to fill out a major questionnaire. And when you fill out a major questionnaire, what's your age? Hmm. Oh, you're a child, you're of childbearing age and you're a female. Not anymore, because now you're sterile. And the baby you were carrying miscarried 80% of the time. Women who were pregnant who received the double jab miscarried 80% of the time. Oh, you're elderly Mm. and you're currently on Medicare and you have a bunch of comorbidities. You're what we call expensive. Give her the shot. Yeah. You know, how about, I'll I'll tell you, I mean, I know a person who, you know, was recovering from cancer and she said, well, I'm going to get the jab. Well, I've had no effect from the jab. No, she's had no effect from the jab except that her cancer came back massively inside of two weeks. That's no effect, right? Right. Now, the question is, let me ask you this. Why would you take the jab? It has less than 1% efficacy in preventing you from getting COVID and zero efficacy to prevent you from getting the Delta variant or the Lambda variant. They've admitted it. No efficacy whatsoever. Oh, well, I want to get back to normal. Well, if you get the jab, you still have to wear a mask. You're not back to normal. Well, I want to get back to normal. I want to be able to go in public spaces in San Francisco. What is normal? What's normal? I want to get back to normal. Yeah? What's normal? Going to the Super Bowl and watching some satanic ritual in the half bowl? That's normal? Going, Taking your kids to go back to school so that they can teach them sexual deprivation all day long? That's normal? What do you call a normal? What's going back to normal? What's normal? We haven't had normal in over 20 years. Yeah. So we're going to go back to normal. We're not going back to normal. Well, I want to get the vaccine because I don't want to pass the, the, the disease on to somebody else. You are doing more damage by getting that jab than by not getting the jab. You get the jab. First of all, you're transmitting spike proteins to all of your friends and family, which could cause your daughter or your daughter-in-law to become to lose a baby and causing your son or son-in-law to to go sterile. And they may end up with symptoms of of, of the spike protein, which gives them ADE. Furthermore, you're causing, because you and and the masses that out there got the jab, you're causing the variant that is now going to be vax resistant. Why do we have the Delta variant? Because 140 million people got jabbed. Why do we have the Lambda variant that's vaccine resistant? Because 140 million people got jabbed. So who did the damage here? Who did the damage? And as for the people at CNN who want to have their lives go back to normal, as far as I'm concerned, they should be all shipped off to China. Here, get on the plane and don't come back. Live there. Don't live here. If you're going to work for China, go to China. Don't don't preach your garbage to me. And, And I'll tell you something else. If you're listening to CNN or Fox or MSNBC or any of them, you are listening to the mouth of the beast And we heard Chris tell us earlier today that this beast is extremely deceptive and extremely cunning, and they're preaching. He's preaching in your ear. Did God really say you're going to die? 
Is that what he really said? <laughs> he was kidding. He wasn't telling you the truth. He's just trying to keep you away from having the knowledge that you will be like a God. You will be saved. You will be immune. You will be immune. You will be back to normal. You will be this. You will be that. None of it's true. It's all bald-faced lies. They lie. They've been lying to you. Look, CNN is the operation that put up pictures of the Milan emergency room and said that was in New York when New York was empty. We need to flatten the curve, right? We're going to, we got to flatten the curve. We've got an emergency. What emergency? There wasn't a single hospital that was overburdened by anything in the entire United States. We've got to flatten the curve because it's an emergency. No, we don't. We have to flatten the curve so that you can grab authoritarian, tyrannical power and abort the Constitution and all the freedoms known to man so you can execute the genocide you want to do under this protocol. And they're getting away with it. So CNN says, go ahead and do it. You'll be forgiven. Well, I'm not so sure of that. I want to believe that Yah will hold on to his people. I want to believe that Yah's mercy is greater than any device given to us by Satan. I want to believe that. I want to believe that because I have people I'm going to lose. Yes. I, I, I would not get the jab, though. I was just asking, you know, for, because of what you said. And then, you know, uh, my dear friend, you know, that did get it. And I, I mean, I just don't really understand, you know, because she is a believer. But of course, it's, you know, it's her. She has a job that she, uh, oh, for pe the people that need, uh, oh, what is the visitation, uh, supervised visitation. Mm -hmm. That's why she got that. And, I'm like, and when she told me, I mean, I just couldn't, you know, believe it. But well, yeah, we all have choices to make, and the choice yeah. is going to get more intense. And when yeah. somebody comes to the door and they put, point a gun in your face and they say, you either take this or I'm going to kill you, what are you going to say then? Well, I was willing to compromise back when you told me oh, I was going to lose my job. I was willing to compromise back when you told me I was going to lose my retirement benefit. I was willing to compromise back when you told me I could get a Big Mac if I did it. I was. Some people were willing to compromise if they got a $1 lottery ticket. Who are the people that are going to endure? Who are the people that are going to stand and say, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. You, you, well, you may take my life. You may put me in a quarantine camp. You may put me in a concentration camp. You may isolate me from all my friends and family. You know what they're talking about now? They're talking about taking social security away from people who refuse the jab. They're talking yeah, about taking see, Medicaid, Medicare away from people who refuse the I'm jab. On, I'm, I'm on social security. So, you know. Uh, one person just, said, one person said that the unjabbed should not be allowed any access into any hospital ever. One of the guys running for the U.S. House of Representatives said unjabbed people should be exterminated. Well, I just pray, you know, that I can endure, you know, it, 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 that, you know, and I'm raising a, a nine-year-old grandson, you know, and. Uh, I know, Jackie. And the thing is, is this, look, we are called to do what? Trust in Yah. Yes. Yes. That's what we're called to do. We're called to trust in Yah. And we have to endure. We have to endure. Those who endure shall be saved. Those who seek to save their lives will lose them. 
those who seek to lose their lives for my namesake shall save, shall be saved. It's a difficult concept right now. It's hard it to do. But I can tell you, you know, I, and look, if I am telling you something false that's outside of scripture, then listen, do, do not listen to a word of it. But we've shared a lot of scripture. I share a lot of scripture all the time. And I believe this is the case. We are not called to follow. What does it say? The deception will be so great, even the elect will right. be deceived. Yeah. And that's where we are, in my humble opinion. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, Jackie. Blessings to you. Blessings Thank you. to you. Thank okay. you. Okay. You too. Murray, how are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. No, it's good. Okay. I just, a little piece of, you know, brightness in this day. Uh, because looking at Revelation chapter 12, I know I sound like a broken record. Am I still here? Yeah, yeah. You still hear me? Okay, good. Yeah, so we are at the end of the 1260 days, right? That was spring, right? In the first half of Revelation 12, yeah. yeah. 1260 days. If you look at it as, as above, so below, right? I'm just throwing that out there. I don't fully understand anything in scripture yet. But what I'm saying is, so the 1260 days have occurred and now Michael and the archangels are battling in heaven against Satan, Satan and his angels. And uh, so when Satan gets thrown down, there is a remnant in heaven that believe on Yeshua saying, Thank you, God, for our enemy is cast down. And it says, woe to the earth, for the enemy is cast down, and he is very angry. So what I'm, what I'm saying is, of the ten virgins, the five wise go up to be the wife, and the five foolish remain as the tribulation saints. They are the first resurrection before the judgment at the end of the millennium. And uh, all I'm saying is we are just a hair's breadth away. I don't know the day or, but Christ is going to separate the heavens and he's going to shout. And those who go, sir, sir, are gone. And, and it's, I'm, I'm just done with this situation on this God forsaken planet. Yeah, I know. I, I know. It's it's a rough time, Murray. It's a rough yeah. time. And, you know, and, you know, and I can tell you, as rough as it may be, I still think, we talked about this last night at the fellowship, we're still called to be a light in the window. We're still called to be the image of Yahusha to our friends and neighbors. We're still called to walk in the way, the truth, and the life. We're still called to hold out a hand of humility. We're still called to be prayer warriors on behalf of others. We're still called to do these things. And we're still called to walk with a gentle and humble spirit and to exercise mercy and justice. We're called to do these things. And so what we have to do is rather than us thinking about, I mean, a lot of people like are contemplating vengeance or they're getting angry. There's lots of stuff that wants to divide people, but we're not called to do that. We're called to endure. 
Mm-hmm. We're called to pray. We're called to testify. And I and when and what I'm trying to share with you guys is a methodology for testifying. What do you do when somebody asks you, when somebody comes to you and they're asking you the question, uh, what's this stuff you guys are talking about? There's some things that you can do. There's a, it's a way that you can approach them that is not knocking on the door and saying, I've got the watchtower for you. Mm. But rather to, but but rather to when somebody approaches you, you have something you can say to them, and you can say to them with questions. You know, well, you know, did you know that uh, the creator's name is not Lord? Did you know that? You know, you can share with them the name. You can share with them the gospel. You can share with them the message of salvation for mankind. And you can share with them uh, that salvation is available to them, too. And I've tried to tell people, even people that are engaged in wickedness, that are caught up in the cult of the serpent, that are screaming for bloody murder for the, the heads of everybody else who want mass extermination, they can repent and be baptized. They can repent and be baptized, be forgiven, and experience the mercy and the beauty of Yah right now. No matter how cruel and indifferent they have been to their fellow man, Yah is willing. He desires that none should be lost. And so we have, you know, we have our hands full right now. And our hands are going to get much more full. And so instead of contemplating, instead of contemplating, gee, uh, uh, you know, how bad is this? I don't want to be here anymore. Contemplate the work you need to do on behalf of the kingdom. Okay. There's work to be done on behalf of the kingdom. Now, Murray, you're an old fellow. My guess is that you have a lifetime of experience, knowledge, and skills that are retained in your brain that don't exist anywhere else. Exactly. And uh, like, I, I realize what you're saying because like I self-employed and I wash windows, right? So I meet guys, all guys and girls all through the day. And I will, if they give me the time of day, I will open up a conversation. And there you usually, go. usually once it's, once it's, it's begun, I go, I ask them if they have any spiritual beliefs and if they go, no, not really. I have been, then I say to them, I have one other question to ask. And as that, that is, do you believe that you should treat your neighbor as you'd like to be treated? Most, if not all, say, yes, I do, right? That's really a good, that's really a good question. That's yeah. really a good question, yeah. And, and again, I mean, and th- but this is why I'm saying, rather than concentrating on the wickedness that's in the world and how it's coming at us, let's concentrate instead upon the work that we have in front of us. Mm-hmm. Focus on the work we have in front of us and what we need to do to accomplish that work, okay? Be blessed in that, Marie, and, and, you know, and Maranatha, right? We wait for mm-hmm. Mashiach's return with great expectancy. He's coming. Yeah, and may he come here soon. Eh? Amen. Thanks, Marie. Okay. Yeah. Heidi, how are you? Heidi, are you there? Can you hear me now? Yeah, there you go. How are you? I am maintaining. I am enduring. How are you? Good. Glad to hear it. All right. I have a couple little questions and then a plea. So I'll go ahead and something else to share. And then, so how about if I just get it all out and then I'll hit my mic and then answer as the Ruach leads you. So um, one thing, Kobe, check out Bear Independent. Check out their IFAC. 
It's their emergency um, little medic bag and they're training on it. That's just what came to me when you were talking about what you're thinking of doing. Um, little question, do you think the demons and the fallen ones are gonna be more obviously in the flesh after the jabbed people in authority die? As Satan, you know, tries to get his authority over all of this, just random well, question. I, I gotta tell you, the people that are getting sick with this latest yeah. variant are clearly seeing, uh, uh, clearly seeing, you know, demons. They're oh. clearly, I mean, they're, they're being made obvious. Now, will they be made obvious in the flesh, Heidi? I mean, that's another question. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I don't, I don't have the answer for you on that. I don't know. Uh -huh. Well, that's very, that's a lot of interesting for us all to follow up on in prayer and be aware of. Um, and then there's that so-called rapture verse where it says about there'll be two in a field and one will be snatched away. I'm just wondering if we're seeing that now with what's going on. It's like those that are being snatched away are actually the ones that are jabbed and dying from that. Um, yeah. I was just wondering a word study on snatched or whatever he's used there might reveal some stuff for us. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I did. Hold on. Uh, okay, it, okay. <laughs> it, it doesn't read that way in the sefer, actually. It says yeah, I did one, one will be received one will be received and the other forsaken. And I think that is a better, uh, a, I think that's a better translation of the, of the, of that particular passage. One will be received and the other forsaken. And yeah, um, yeah that passage is, is, you know, really corrupted in the English. It's really badly okay. corrupted. And uh, so, you know, because it was corrupted and I'm, I'm looking at it going like, this is ridiculous. It's so far corrupted. <laughs> that I have to go in and, and peel this thing apart. And so I did, and as I peeled it apart, I discovered that it just makes so much more sense. Uh, you know, it, when, you, when you read what's in the Greek, what's really there in the Greek, and it's that one will be received and the other forsaken. And so yeah. it doesn't necessarily discuss being snatched away into a rapture. Right. Rather that you have two people in, a, you know, you look at two people in exactly the same circumstance, both of them are working in the field. This one guy's a worker and this other guy's a worker. And you look at him, you can't distinguish the difference, but one is going to be received and the other is going to be forsaken. And, and which tells you that it's not about what you do, but it's about what's in your heart. It's, it's right. about what's in your heart, right? And right. Uh, so I think that's what that's talking about rather than the rapture. And when you look at the rapture, I mean, there's people who believe in the rapture of the saints, you know, and of course there's pre-trib, you know, mid-trib, post-trib. And then there's pan trip, you know, we don't know where, when it's going to be the little pan out in the end, you know, but, you know, when you talk about this rapture idea, I personally believe that the, that the sound of the last trump, the dead will rise first. You're talking about the resurrection, not yeah. the rapture, the resurrection. Yeah. And, you know, and you got to remember that the dead rose, you know, when, uh, with the death of Mashiach, the dead rose right there. And who was it? And was Isaiah walking around? I mean, it was Jeremiah. And it wasn't Jeremiah because he was in Ireland somewhere. But what about Zechariah? What about, I mean, who was walking around in Jerusalem following, yeah. the, following the death of Mashiach, right? And so when we talk about this resurrection and, and the rapture and so on, the one thing I don't like about the rapture doctrine mm -hmm. is that the rapture doctrine, there are many people who think, well, I'm going to be raptured. I'm out of here. And, and the pre-trib rapture in particular, I'm not going to suffer any aspect of tribulation whatsoever because I'm not designed to experience the wrath of Yah. Therefore, I'm out of here. I'm going to be up in the mezzanine shedding a small tear for all my friends who weren't as righteous as me. 
Well, you know, that's not right because, you know, Romans 3.23, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of Yah. You know, there is no one good, not one. So who is this one group of people that's more righteous than others that are going to be up in the mezzanine watching all of the tribulation? And then because of that, because they believe that, they can't see the tribulation right in front of their eyes. Well, that can't possibly be Mark because I haven't been raptured. This can't possibly be the tribulation because I haven't been raptured. That can't possibly be. Amen. It causes a severe cognitive dissonance. I think it's one of the subtle um, delusions, one of the subtle and strong delusions, because I've seen that in people that believe in that they're going to be, you know, taken up in the sky and it's they're suffering from cognitive. It's like I'm never going to I'm never going to experience any discomfort, you know, because they complain as they complain unendingly of their discomforts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, good point. But, you know, and, and so what, what you see is that I think is that when, when we look at this, so, you know, are those of us that are that are left behind here experiencing what we're going through now, are we mm-hmm. therefore unrighteous and not worthy? You know, I don't think so. I think now there are some people who believe that there is going to be a rapture, if you will, that takes place just before the seven bowl judgments. Right. And that the bowl yeah. judgments are going to last for a very short period of time, 10 days, 15 days. In that period of time, the saints will all be brought up and be made part of Yahusha's army that will come back to earth thereafter and wage a holy war on whatever is surviving left on earth. There right. may, not be, may not be anything surviving left on earth at that point. But right. Yeah, I saw that scripture. too. That could be. You know, but, but, you know, scripture tells us that there's going to be surviving nations after the tribulation is done, right? Because if you're in a nation who's outside Jerusalem, you have to come up to Jerusalem three times a year, right? Or you'll have no rain. So there's people that are surviving. The millennium reign is, is going to be governing over people who have uh, uh, who, the saints and non-saints who have survived what's coming. You know, so, um, you know, so I just I, I'm just reticent to uh, glom on to a doctrine that mm-hmm. keeps us from walking out our faith, keeps mm-hmm. us from being, being abreast of our ministry and keeps us from being able to recognize the truth because we haven't like. For instance, there are people who have an expectation that there's not going to be any tribulation until there's a peace treaty made in Israel and that peace <laughs> is broken and the third temple is built, right? Yeah. yeah. You know and you know how many of those peace treaties have been made? There was a peace treaty made in 1991 called the Oslo Accord that was right in the middle of the week that was completely fulfilled. I mean, all of that prophecy has been fulfilled. There's, mm-hmm. a, you know, a third temple is about to be constructed. But what does that mean? Does that mean there's no tribulation going on? I don't think so. I think... We try to put prophecy in a box that we understand. We're going to put the prophecy in our box and it's, we're going to make sense of it. And we're going to be able to understand it. And this is the way it's going to be. And it's almost always wrong Mm -hmm. because the prophecy is not about predicting the future. It's about setting our hearts. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned is that, yeah, we're on a need to know. And so specifically, it's like Yah has blessed us with his word written. And it's straight up. If you walk in those 10, you can't go wrong. Anything else you seek and you seek his voice on it for you, because we each have our individual things he wants us to know. Yeah, and dude, and that's basis. all we need yeah. to know. And praise y'all. I don't want to know everything. I don't want to feel everything. And I do not want the responsibility. You know, I'm having enough trouble here, which is a lovely segue. 
into the plea I would like to make um, to my brothers and sisters and to everyone. Um, mostly prayer. I'm going to try and keep it brief. Um, I'm in a pickle. I don't know where y'all wants me. I have two um, wonderful Torah keeping communities that I would be welcome in. Both are very far away. And because of the crosses I am currently bearing, it's going to cost a little bit of money. I'm almost ready to, um, you know, wheels up and go, but I need some expensive things like a working heavy duty pickup truck. Um, and then of course there's the expenses of traveling any long distance. So I would, and we're supposed to help each other out. And if it was straight up money I'm asking for, that's a lot, but um, I want y'all's will done and I would like your prayers and anything given to me is more than welcome. You know, if you want to keep me where I'm at, he has blessed me with more than enough to survive and to make a little bit of progress and being able to come out of her, my people, because I'm in a bad zone when all this comes down here and the travel lockdown's happening imminently. It's like, I'm in a bad place unless y'all wants me here and is going to cover me because he promises that. So I absolutely trust him on that <laughs> at the same time. I would really like to not be here and really would need assistance in moving. And I know Yah's ways are not ours and he works in mysterious ways. So however, you know, he moves your hearts to pray for me and my little crew to remain safe. And if y'all wants us move to do it swiftly and in his way and for me to absolutely see and hear, you know, his specific words for me on that. So I know specifically how he wants me to do it or not. I just want to make sure I'm not getting my you know, fleshly ways of, well, if we have to do this, then this needs to happen. You know, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded, but I just want to make sure that, you know, there's nothing between me and him. And I'd appreciate everyone's prayers on that. And I just want to express my appreciation for all of you. You're always in my prayers. And for you newcomers here, you know, you're not new. You're like all of us. Y'all knew your names from the beginning. And it just, I don't know, it's hard to put into words, you know, this fellowship to me to know that all of you are there and praying for me and that we are not alone as much as where I'm, you know, I feel alone a lot in my current situation, but I know I'm not. And I know y'all has his little light spread all around because there's so much darkness and it takes only a little light to light, to eliminate a lot of darkness. So I think he might have us scattered in order to really, um, you know, disperse that disperse the darkness that is everywhere right now so so there's that um i guess i'll just thank you shabbat shalom everyone um knowing you're all out there helps me stay strong and endure my little walk here too so with that i love you all shabbat shalom and i will cut my mic <laughs> thanks heidi thanks heidi okay now you guys we are kind of over time now so we, we're going to go through, I'm going to go through uh, the next questions, but you guys have got to cut it really quick. Okay. 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 Is that all right? Okay. Uh, Jacqueline, go ahead. Okay. I have a like important question actually today. Last week I couldn't participate because the pain was unbearable. So, you know, I had a surgery, whatever, I have expansion. I'm in pain all the time. And one question was answered from Chris because I would say, you know, my cancer is not stage zero, stage one. I won't have the chemo, blah, blah, blah. I've been being, um, my children vaccinated, as you know, 
And uh, I'm living with my ex-husband right now because my children can take care of me because I'm not independent. I couldn't even drive. I need to go to the doctor. So I've been through a lot. And, and the, but the thing is, you know, this is the thing, the switching, you know, from the shalom and the shalom. I haven't been in the shalom at all. I've been crying all week. I couldn't even stop. I pray and then I cry. It just was continuously. And the first time in which I found myself again, balancing it's here right now with you guys, which it's incredible group. I thank everybody. I'm so happy to be part of. And thank you, uh, Steve, for all you do and you share with us. I have a strong, important sharing experience because I saw even what happened to Jessica, right? And it's interesting because I was having this doubt, like what all these things happened to me, maybe that, you know, I do something wrong and maybe, you know, I'm not really doing what I'm supposed to do, or maybe I don't belong to him, you know, you know how it works. And yeah, then, those kind of questions, yes. Yes, you know what I mean? Okay. Then one thing, few things happen and very important this week. Once in my son, you know, stay in the bed with me one, one night, you know, he was like holding my hand and stuff. So I said, can I pray for you? I pray for him, right? And I pray also, he's, he's accepted. I can, I can pray, he's accepted. Not, you know, and I don't know how much he grasped it, but then I sort of, instead of like that, you know, that fact of vaccine would be completely clear from you, right? And then I, when I was praying, I said that. Then I fell asleep. Listen this one, because it's bizarre. I had a this dream in which it was like in this cabinet. It was a cab medical cabinet, right? And, and there, there was a guy who was holding two snakes. Now, I have to tell you, they are phobic of snakes. So I'm terrified just seeing one. My brother, when I was young, he was putting picture of a snake in front of my face to see me throw the book on the other side of the, the room and run. I'm phobic 300%. I cannot even look at them. So I had a dream with the snake and I was always completely in fear. I even wake up in the middle of the night screaming to tell you. All my life straight, for the first time, after I prayed for my son, I see this guy in this medical holding two vipers. And he said, oh, they cannot bite me because I, I hold them by their neck. Suddenly, he passed the, the two vipers um, to me in that dream, and I hold them by the neck without fear, which is like unbelievable, you know, knowing my nature. And then I was holding, and then I was wearing a blue gloves, you know, the medical glove, a blue glove, when I was holding those vipers. And when she took her off her tooth and tried to bite me, I said, oh, really? Then I brought a knife, and I cut the two heads of the vipers, cut it off. They couldn't, and you know, there are two because obviously one of the first thing I thought about the job because there, was, there were two, you know, it is a double. But what I found interesting that I had this dream because I couldn't cut off by myself because I didn't do anything. But after intensely prayed for my son when we were falling asleep together holding his hand. And I said, I don't know, but I wanted, I wanted brother to you. The... The other thing was about, you know, one other question was coincidentally Zachariah tree because it was reading Zachariah tree and I said, okay, this is Yahusha. Also because Joshua is obviously Yahusha name, you know, and I think you already answered because 
I was also think the stone healing, you know, in Zachariah 3 talks about the stone, and we know that Yahusha is the angle stone. And I was shocked when you mentioned that because my question was, okay, you know, is that Yahusha, this judge in Zachariah 3, as I think, but I think you already asked for that, that one. The, the other thing that uh, I, I, I want to, to point is about the relationship with the father and his son. This is one of my main questions because, you know. Um, okay, now let's, let's stop right there, Jacqueline, because remember, I'm trying to cut this very yeah. short. But let me okay. say this about the father and the son. We talked okay. about this last night because we had no choice. We had to talk about it. We were talking about Hebrews 1. And because in the book, Ivrim, Chapter one, there's a big discussion about who is the son. Mm-hmm. It's very worthy of the read, but you cannot avoid when you read Ivrim one. And if we could spend okay. more time, we would, but I can't because we've run out mm-hmm. of time. But if okay. we, you read Ivrim one, Hebrews one, the whole chapter, and then you read, of course, Zechariah three and Yahusha, and then Philippians two, Philippians two. Because there is this question that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Yahusha is Yahuwah to the glory of Yah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That openly contradicts what's said in Romans 8.49, and it openly contradicts what is in uh, Isaiah 45. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, because unless the version that we have in the Sefer in Philippians 2.11 is true, mm-hmm. then... If it's not true, then Paul is a liar. And Paul, Paul directly contradicts himself, you see? And so mm-hmm. Philippians 2.11 is very true. So when you talk about this relationship between the father and the son, and I'm going to leave it here as my answer for today, because I have mm-hmm. to, because we're out of time. So you take a look at that. Hebrews 1, the whole chapter. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 9. Uh, Isaiah 45, mm-hmm. Romans 8, okay? And... Mm-hmm and Zechariah 3. This is going to give you some idea of what scripture is telling us who the son is. Because as I mentioned before, when you look at the at the kind of the father-to-son relationship, you know, if you have a mother corporation like Kroger Corporation, Kroger Corporation owns the supermarket Fred Meyer. Well, Fred Meyer is wholly owned by Kroger. But Fred Meyer does not own 100% that Kroger owns, right? Kroger has corporate offices, administrative offices, all this stuff. That doesn't appear in a supermarket. But everything that's in Fred Meyer belongs to Kroger. Yeah. But but Fred Meyer doesn't own everything Kroger owns. This is the same relationship with the father and the son. Everything that is in the son is directly from the father. 100% of the son is directly from the father. Mm -hmm. But the son does not have 100% of the father because Mashiach himself says, only the father knows, right? He says mm-hmm. that there are some things left to the yeah. father. And okay? then he, because people said, okay, Yahushua, you know, Jesus, is God. But it was playing the part. It's like, it seems like, you know, it's very, it seems like. In he is the, I mean, this is why you have to read, if read, because in, mm-hmm. in Hebrews, it says he is the very image of his person. Yes. So the, the only thing, the only way we possibly see Yah is that Yah made himself manifest in creation and he mm-hmm. made himself manifest in creation as the son. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so I have to, I've got to leave it there, Jacqueline. Otherwise, I could go here for another two hours. I have to leave it there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very complex topic. And just real quick, what do you think about my dream? About what? About the dream I, I, I had. A oh, I think the dream is interesting. Now, let us hope that the prayers are effective. Let's, uh, I mean, we're not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. Okay. Mm-hmm, no. Okay, thank you, Jacqueline. Blessings to you. Thank you. Thank you. Jenny, how are you? Hey, Dr. P. Real quick, I'm, I'm sorry we've gone over so far, but I just wanted to know this. You had mentioned earlier about travel and you expected maybe three and a half, four weeks it would be shutting down. Were you talking about flights or interstate car or all of it? Uh, it's flights. What I can understand is that Biden has mentioned that it's going to be, he initially talked about international travel, but then the uh, the vaccine passport is being discussed now at the federal level and that yes. they're going to impose it on both uh, international and domestic flights. Okay. I just heard. And according to the report, the secretary of whatever, the secretary of transportation said it's three and a half weeks out, three okay. and a half weeks out. Okay. okay. I, I had heard something about they were talking about checkpoints too for interstate travel. Well, why not? Let's put up some checkpoints. I mean, you know, and, and if we're going to do it right, we need some German shepherds. Right. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got to issue some swastikas here sooner or later. <laughs> not you know, me. My understanding <laughs> is that is that we're going to have some new uh, some new FEMA camps opening. There's going to be Klaus Schwab's Auschwitz, Klaus Schwab's Dachau, Klaus Schwab's Sobibor, Klaus Schwab's uh, uh, Flossenburg. You know, we no. gotta have we gotta have some new models, right? But we're that gonna name be- them all after Klaus, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Visit Klaus be- Schwab's Dachau for a good time, <laughs> right? And it's just oh, amazing it's just- that these people—it it blows my mind, Jenny. These yeah. people are coming up with this stuff, and it's like, gee, nobody can look back at the Nazis and say this stuff looks vaguely familiar, right? Well, nobody, nobody the- sees this. Nobody's commenting. Only- nobody's saying, "Hey, wait a minute." The only thing I can come up with is they are just spiritually blinded. I mean, that 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 veil has come down over them because it's so apparent, you know. Yeah, well, if you were ever wondering how you would do under Nazi Germany, now you know. Yeah, now, exactly. Now you know. Yeah. Exactly. One other quick question. Okay, where Israel, where the third temple, where is or who is or what is Jerusalem that we're supposed to pray for the peace? Uh, yeah, of? Jerusalem is something else. Jerusalem is something else because Jerusalem, when you look at Jerusalem, this is, it has a different meaning. It and means if, this is long, if this is long, we can do this next week or I can email. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can go into it a little bit more, but Zion does not mean a mountain and Jerusalem does not mean a city. Okay. Okay. They mean something else entirely. And it means that, you know, those who follow and a place and, and, and uh, the place of peace and salvation. And so Jerusalem is among us. And so we build Jerusalem together. Right. We okay. build new Jerusalem and it doesn't have anything to do with a bunch of rocks collected in a certain place. So are we praying for the peace among us? And yes. In- OK. OK. Yeah. It's the peace among us. It's okay. pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And I will get to that. I, I've talked about it before on Crossing Over. And but, you know, we talk about so much stuff. It kind of goes by quickly. Yeah. Thank you, so much. you. Bless you. Okay. Blessings, Jenny. Thank you. Tina, how are you, Tina? I'm good. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm well, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, Debbie found a thing on Lombada, 
though it's kind of strange. It says Lombardi indicates the wavelength of any wave, especially in physics, electronics, engineering, and mathematics and evolutionary algorithms indicates the number of offspring that would be generated from current population to into each generation. The terms and well, it's got some uh, the symbol symbols in Greek. The terms and are originated from evolution strategy notation. This is lambda you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, lambda. Yeah. Well, thank you, Debbie, for that for that uh, that illustration, and thank you for bringing this forward, Tina. What an incredible thing you're saying. Yeah, there you go. I see Amy's going to contribute to this too. What an incredible thing you're saying, because what? Yeah, I know what you're saying. You're saying this and this, right? Or we refer to as Cinco Gaia. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're seeing this now. And so it's very, it's becoming very much uh, more clear. And of course, you know that Cinco Gaia is not being given to facilitate human communication. It's being given to facilitate communication between machines. Do you care that your cell phone conversation is seven thousandths of a second slower? No, you don't, because you can't even tell when you're talking on the cell phone. But your machine cares. Your cell phone cares. You don't. Your desktop cares. You don't. Your, your, your IP server cares. You don't. Right? The carriers of the Internet of Things care, especially when they're transmitting things like holograms, when they're transmitting broadcast signals that go out throughout. So what we're seeing, yeah, the, so this is a very good point that... Now they're not going to be able to disguise the fact that the Lambda variant is going to be something that is manipulated by Cinco Gaia. No, excuse me just a minute. If you guys want to see some predictive programming on that, knowing what we know about Cinco um, Gaia and Lee, watch the movie Cell, C-E-L-L. It's predictive program. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Jenny. Thanks for that. Yeah, that's uh, it's a good tip. So there, uh, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. That's another important point. And again, you know, this is something that when you want, when you wonder about how are people, how are believers getting sick, you know, if they're not being exposed to people and they're not, you know, and so on and so forth, how are they getting sick? Mm. Right. But Yah is with us. Thanks, Tina. Thank you. Okay. Amy, are you there? Hey, Dr. P. Hey. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to speak about a few things, but because I was writing it down when I was, but obviously I know we haven't got time now. But um, I was trying to pray of which one the Father wants me to speak about because there's been a few things mentioned today. One of them was at the beginning with the couple who but can you hear me properly dr p yeah I, I can hear you yes although you do need to sort it out a bit no no a wee bit no i'm just kidding you i'm giving you a wee bit of the scottish there back at Stop you. wasting me time dr p because you'll tell me <laughs> you know in a minute and you're interrupting all right me. well stop spreading the barney there if you would <laughs> i'm just joking um okay so when the couple was talking earlier about um you know they were asking something in regards to um I think it was to do with the poor and the needy or something. You 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 address them, but anyway, it took yeah. me to the scripture. It, it took me to the scripture Matthew, which speaks, and then the guy, the younger guy, oh, I can't remember his name, Cody. Yeah, yeah Cody. Cody mentioned yeah. about someone who someone who'd committed suicide, and so I felt it relevant yeah. to mention Matthew four, 
because a lot of indoctrination has actually caused a lot of people, you know, when you were talking about voices and things like that. Did most people know it's actually normal to hear voices? This Mashiach heard Hashatan's voice in the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is what I wanted to mention, because as you know, my testimony, I've suffered immensely, um, you know, from the beginning. I know, I know, I know. Not now, not now. I mean, I'm just giving a little quick thing on it because Messiah in the Garden of Gethsemane heard the father's voice, but he also heard Hashatan. In fact, Hashatan told him to kill himself, jump off the mountain and the the messengers will come and collect him. He basically told him to kill himself. Right. That's what he did. So there's people out there who get this. And I just want to encourage people to pray for them and not cast them off because they're going through a garden of Gethsemane. A lot of them are in that place. And when Messiah came out, he said to the disciples, can you not pray for me for one hour? You know, lest the enemy come upon you just one hour. I'm asking you to pray because he was in turmoil that he sweated blood and he could hear the voice of Hashitan and Hashitan even got into Kefir Peter's mind right in front of him and tried to rebuke him from going the tree. And it sounded lovely, but he said, get behind me. Your, your ways are the ways of man and not the ways of, of, of uh, you know, Elohim, Al, Yahweh. And then when Mashiach was testing him, he kept saying to him, if you are the son of Al, not the son of man, he said, if you are the son of Al, then do this. If you are the son of Al, then do this. You know, if you're the son of Al, throw yourself off here and kill yourself. He'll save you. You know, you'll be fine. You know, oh, I just wanted to mention that because I've got a passion in that area because I suffered from when I was 18 years ago. Um, and, and they locked me up many years and because they, they, they prescribe and lie to the people and make out that these thoughts they have are theirs. And so they own them. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not your thoughts. It's coming in from an, an outer force. And you need to reject that and you need to stand against that. And you need, but this is the psychological people who say these lies are actually killing people because they nearly killed me as well. And if I didn't have the father who spoke to me at the same time when the enemy was trying to speak to me, I'd be, I'd be dead. Because I, this is what I'm saying. So I wanted to mention that. And quickly, I know you got to go. The words that were mentioned before in regards to uh, Sister Heidi prayed as well. I want to ask for prayer because we came in from the UK, you know, and me and Ruben are in a, my son who's eight. We're not in a very good situation ourselves. So I need prayer because um, we were kind of abandoned. And so, you know, I just ask everybody to lift us up in prayer. And, um, you know, I need prayer because I've been really struggling and hard to keep my faith, my belief, my amuna, you know, going strong, you know, feeling that the father doesn't love me or he's forgotten me, you know, and although I know he hasn't, it's sometimes hard to not feel like the forsaken one, although those who are forsaken in earth will not be forsaken by him and brought into his bosom, like Lazarus and brought into Abraham's bosom. So I just want to encourage people who are suffering with that and, um, also to mention the word for poor and needy in the scriptures. Did people know? I know you know, Dr. P. Um, the word for poor is dal. And and the, and the word for needy is abayun. So dal means door. We know who the door is, right? The door's Mashiach. He was Mashiach. And he said, if you do to the poor, you do it to me. And the word for needy is actually abayun, which the root is father. 
So we see the poor and the needy are actually an image of the Father and the Son in the earth, talking about the Father and the Son. That's who they are in the earth. That's what I'm seeing and that's what I wanted to share in this group because we need to not allow all the burden to be on one individual or, or one person to help others. We're called to help people. We're called, even me in my situation, I'm called to help still be a light. So I just wanted to share that because it was um, placed on my heart when we were, when the whole meeting was going on. So I'm, well, sorry, you, I'm sorry if I kept you too long, Dr. P. No, no, it's okay. But I am going to, I am going to wrap up the meeting now. Uh, sorry, Heather, but I've, I've got to, I've got to wrap it up here because we have run out. So uh, let's pray. And thank you for that, Amy. Thank you for your words. And we heard Jacqueline say something about this too, about we feel like we are forsaken. We feel like Yah has forgotten us. We're cast out. Of, I mean, you know, even Jessica told me, she said, did Yah forget me? You know, she was so sick. I mean, she was really, really just knocked down. And she and she said to me, did Yah forget me? Am, am I forsaken? Am I forsaken? There's times when I felt forsaken. When Yah has put, put me through a trial that I can't endure, I can't endure the trial. And in my heart, in my mind, I can't endure the trial. I'm suffering and, you know, and I'm going through these things. But, you know, but such is life. Such is life, you know, and this is the way things are. And it rains on the just and the unjust. You know, this is scripture too. And, and, and so, and, and we're called into a situation that is going to get even more difficult than what it is now. So we have to learn how to buttress ourselves. We have to learn how to stand up. You know, when you're, when you're in a situation and you're destabilized and you're, and you're, on, you're flat on your back and you're going, how do I go on? How can I possibly go on from here? then you put one foot in front of the other and that's how you go on. You put that one foot in front of that other foot and then you put that one foot in front of that foot and you go on because Yah has called us to something. And even though we're in this trial, we're in a trial of our lives, we're in a desperate situation, we're in whatever it is, Yah has not forsaken us, he has not abandoned us. I shall not leave you nor forsake you even unto the end of the age, says Yahweh Sebaot. And I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age, says Yahushua HaMashiach. He, so be courageous and be strong, for this is the way it is. So let us pray. Hear our prayers, O Yah. Hear and do. We lift this day up to you, Father. There's many hearts that are suffering here today. Hearts that have seen friends who have taken the backs, hearts who have seen loved ones taking the backs, people who have lost things, people who have been injured, people who have been sick, people who feel forsaken. And yet we know you are present, yeah. We know you are present and that you are here. And that you have called us to many things. And that even in the midst of our trials and tribulations, you are mighty to save. You are mighty to save. May your name be a fire in our soul that kindles life, Father. May you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a path that we can follow. Bless us with the hidden manna now, Father. Cover us with your wings. Protect us with our, your hands. Gather us together as a group. Be our Elohim that we may be your children before you. For you are Yahweh Sivod. al Echad Yasharel. We praise you and bless you, Yada Yahweh, in the name of Yahshua HaMashiach.
be with us now in this upcoming week, guide and direct, do miracles before us, Father, that we might see and glorify in your name, that you might be glorified in us, and that your name might be glorified even among the strange nations of the earth. We lift this to you now in the name of Yahusha. Amen. Blessings, my brothers and sisters. We'll Bye, see you Dr. Next P. Time. Thank Bye, you, Dr. P. Um, Blessings. Shabbat shalom. Thank you, Dr. P. Shabbat shalom. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Dr. Pigeon. Thank you. Hallelujah.